Hey guys, Happy New Year! Welcome to the Begging Broadcast. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, <laughs> bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books coming out January 12th, 2022. Yeah, that, that, that works. And then we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And while we're heading into 2022, you know we're a fan of our lookbacks here. Uh, and we're going to be taking a look back at the whole of year 2021. Because, man, 2021 was indeed a whole. Get it? See? Mm-hmm. Dif- different words. They mean different things. But they sound the same. Homonyms! <laughs> nice. Anyways. Uh, you know, yeah. what else is nice other than homonyms and coming up with SAT words is uh, drinking. To forget those SAT words. And, uh, guys, what are you drinking? Uh, uh, I am. Uh, no, uh, no, I was going to go I, ahead, but I, got I, mine, I lost my can. I got, I got mine first. Uh, I am drinking from Other Half Brewery. This is their Instant Greens hop flavor, flavor with natural hops. The original, six point two percent IPA. This is uh, nice, enjoyable. The Instant Green logo is meant to look like a Instant Ramen ramen oh, okay. uh, package. Um, this is nice. It's got a nice tropical kind of bite with a little bit of that grassy green hoppy note to it. Uh, this is a nice, um, really easy drinking 6.2% IPA. Ooh. Paul, are you taking it easy tonight? Or do you got I something? am. I'm, uh, you know... I'm not really participating in dry January. It just happens that I have been dry since the start of the new year. Um, and I'm drinking from one of my favorite uh, non-alcoholic uh, beer providers, Athletic Brewing. They started selling uh, what they call Day Pack, which is flavored seltzer infused with hops. Otherwise, it would just be seltzer water. So I'm drinking their flavor, a mango with hops. And I was, uh, you know, excited to try it out. You know, these alcoholic seltzers are all a thing, so why not a non-alcoholic seltzer that's still got hops in it? I'm like, okay, because I tried hop water from Lagunitas, didn't really like it. So I'll give this a whirl. It's okay, but I would just drink a regular seltzer water, especially for the price. This six-pack was $9.99. And that's way too much to pay for seltzer water, <laughs> even if there's hops in it. Unfortunately, the mango flavor they use is so overpowering. That's all I get. Like, I don't get any hop flavor. Like, I was expecting, like, hop water with a little something extra, you know, with a little mango on it. But, sure, yeah, nope, no calories, no nothing on it. It has the, you know, thing on here because it's seltzer water. Um yeah, it's it's too expensive for what it is. I would skip it and just get. It's just got the, oh ingredients: carbonated water, natural flavors, hop oil. So it's just a little bit of hop oil in there. Hmm. Well, mine sounds like it's a little bit better than that, but it's still not something that's uh, worth a lot of hubbub. And this is coming from Sideward Brewing, and this is the next in their brace face line, which is their in-house Berliner Weiss style. Um, they just have this. Uh, recipe for beer, and then they do the same beer with different fruits and things added to it. Uh, and this one is with raspberry, boysenberry, and caruba, which I did not know what caruba was, so I looked it up, and it 
It's referred to as a banana passion fruit. When you look at it, it's basically just a longer passion fruit. It doesn't have any kind of banana notes or flavor to it. And you, uh, just because of the shape, it's, it's called a yeah, banana. Yeah, it's, it's a longer, kind of more elongated passion fruit. Um, this is fine. It's not great. I'll say it's definitely the best of the four race faces that I've had, but it's still not what I want it to be. Um, I don't think it's up to the level of what I know Sideward can do. Uh, this was something that was going to be in the boxes that I'm sending out to you guys, but when the boxes were too full for me to actually close and seal, I had to sacrifice something from them, and this one I have no issues with not sending to you guys um, and just enjoying myself. Because it's not bad, but it's definitely not up to their caliber, and honestly, it's not as good as some of the other sours that I put in the boxes to send to you guys either. You sent us a brace face mm-hmm. last year, and it was that key lime that yeah. was like drinking was, actual like lime juice. Yeah, it was the uh, mm-hmm. key lime coconut, which was just so tart. It was like you had a lime given to you, mm-hmm. and you just bit into it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. It was like, wow. And then it, someone, I mean, it, it, someone just took coconut and mashed it into your eyes afterwards. <laughs> They're like, you like that, nerd? <laughs> And you're like, no, uh, I don't. I have a, I have a whole four pack of this. Um, again, this is definitely better than that. It's definitely not as abrasive. Um, I think the the boysenberry and the raspberry kind of level out that tropical pop, but it, there's still like a hint of it from that caruba, which I want to sound like an old time car horn. But yeah, it's not bad. But I put it at a three point two five just to kind of clue you guys into what I. Assigned it on my untap for numerical rating. Mm. Not bad, not great. Yeah. Hey, you know what else isn't great? Uh, starting the year off with some sad news. Um, it finally happened. Everyone's been dreading this day, but we lost America's sweetheart. Uh, unfortunately, we had John Madden pass away uh, <laughs> right after Christmas. Uh, Three days after his... We we thought he could go all the way, and he just didn't. Uh, I didn't see an official cause of death, but I'm assuming it's due to eating too many mutated turkeys uh, over his decades-long career. So, hey, I wasn't a football fan at all. I know your name was attached to a video game with diminishing returns that people still buy and are not fans of year after year. So what a legacy you have left, good sir. He also basically brought to the national cha- uh, stage the turducken. Like, the restaurant, like, down in, what was it, New Orleans, was doing it. He, like, visited the place, talked about it quite a bit. John, do you have more facts on this? Like, <laughs> you lean forward. I was like, no, oh, I was going to, I was going to go. Nolens. Ah, Nolens. I, I just always, I always love to correct people and be that obnoxious <laughs> asshole. So, so you know, he gave us the tur. He basically he didn't create the turducken, but he kind of discovered it for the rest of us. Um, I feel like he did the same thing with Tough Act and Tenacted. Yeah, well, boom, Tough Act and Tenacted. That was the foot fungus one. Is that what mm-hmm. that was? Okay. Yeah, athlete's foot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and- but in, in actual news, um, Betty White passed away like two weeks before her hundredth birthday, and that's the actual America's Sweetheart because 
she's known for her roles over the years, but I think she became more better known just for being well loved and liked by everybody. That when you see her pop up in something, it's like the Stanley effect. You're like, oh, a cute, adorable old person. Let's she's been old our entire lives. She was as well. Golden <laughs> Girls, like at that, the whole semblance and basis for that show was they were already old, and it's that was odd when was a baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 39, so you subtract 39 from 99. <laughs> yeah, she was 60. 60. Yes, yeah, she was. Yes, yeah, 60. <laughs> pause for jokes, she guys. Was, pause for the oh, joke. Pause old. for the joke. <clears throat> Well, I I didn't say it because Chris started counting on his fingers. I don't have 60 fingers. That's the joke, guys. They write themselves. <coughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I Golden Girls was not something that I watched regularly. But when I went and stayed with my grandparents, my grandma watched Golden Girls. And I'd watch it. And it was funny. And, uh, yeah, Betty White's always been hilarious. And, uh, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's a shame that we've lost her. No, uh, I think it's great that she continued to work into her 90s, and she definitely had a great life. Um, it's, it's great that she was able to go before she really had a decline in uh, her living situation. <laughs> like Stanley. <laughs> And, and functioning and, and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, I, forgot, Stan Lee, I forgot at the end, Stan Lee was in really rough shape, yeah. Mm-hmm. People uh, take yeah. advantage of everything, yeah. So. Yeah. But we do have some good news, right, Paul? Is it good? I don't, hey, I don't know. did you it's... buy your books on Pottermore's website? And they said, hey, buy it on Pottermore and you'll have it, you know, forever? Well, guess what? Forever is ending January 31st. Uh, you bought it on Pottermore, but you, I think you what? It's been years since I tried to download it or bought a book off of Pottermore. In fact, they stopped selling the books directly from Pottermore's website back in September of last year. But they're sending out email notifications saying, "Hey, if you don't download the books, you're going to lose your access to them soon." In fact, January thirty first is when you'll lose access to them. So. Just a heads up for everybody that when you buy digital, uh, you don't actually own anything. Yeah. <laughs> like That service can end at any time. Uh, my digital copies of the Harry Potter books I have are all from Apple. Uh, the ones that they have for sale on there are the Pottermore version. So uh, if you go back and listen to the Words Books with Friends episodes that Paul and I did where we go through chapter by chapter of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, um, there's fun little, like, drawings and illustrations, animations, and information hits that they have in them. And I think it's cool that they had something special in a digital copy of the book that you could only get in that digital version. Um, it sucks that it's going away from Pottermore, but you can just buy it on Apple. Like, each mm-hmm. book's only nine ninety nine right now. Like, because I Googled it just to see if they were still available for sale on that uh, platform. And they are. And I'm fairly confident that you'll probably get a little bit more life out of buying a digital book on Apple than some other third-party site. Anything else? My beer did foam up. My not near beer did foam up and made a mess on my desk. So I'm going to run and get some paper towels. 
that's news. <laughs> so after that little bit of a spill, let's spill into the list, guys. <laughs> because that's a, that was a segue. That's you spill into a, things, right? Definitely a thing people say in the year 2022 now. Yeah. Uh, first comic book week of the month for us because we did have that week off for the holidays. Hey, like I said, at the forefront, Happy New Year's, guys. So what's getting you amped up for this new year, this new month of comics that we'll be reading for Bag the Board? John. Uh, I'm actually going back to my wish list to pick up uh, Something is Killing the Children, Volume 1. Uh, this is currently six ninety nine, dollars uh, half off on Comixology. And this is written by James Tinian the Fourth uh, and Werther... Delidra on pencils and um in this small town something is killing the children oh uh, yeah and, john we um, know we heard you tell the title of the book uh and um a young woman who is a monster hunter uh comes to save the children and um this actually has an a sequel book with the main character on this going on to maybe a new town doing something else uh, with monsters. Um, this is supposed to be a really great book. Um, it's won a couple of awards. And um, it's something that I've wanted to pick up for a while. Hey, six ninety nine, boom. I, I, Sorry, guys, I didn't buy it next week. I, I bought it this week. It's okay. It happens. Paul, what's got you uh, killing the children, as, as they say? <laughs> As they say, uh, Tom Taylor, I think, has been killing it over at uh, both Marvel and DC. He's ready. Tom Taylor, he's writing the Nightwing, right? Yes. And uh, he's also been writing Dark Ages over at uh, Marvel. And that's just been a fun series. Uh, we read issue number one for the podcast. Uh, obviously, two and three have come out. Issue four is coming out this week. Uh, I do need to read number three. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, fun things. Are happening there so issue four let's let's keep this let's keep the good times rolling Chris. Uh, i'm gonna keep those good times rolling as well with my pick which is a new number one coming out from the <coughs> star wars side of marvel comics and this is star wars the high republic eye of the storm number one uh and this is part of their wave three of the high republic uh this oh. is kind of telling the fall of the Jedi in the New Republic era. Uh, and this is focusing on uh, Marcion Rowe, the leader of the Nihil that we've met, and we're continuing to learn more about as we're going through reading uh, Light of the Jedi. Uh, check us out over at our Word Book with Friends episodes for us to talk about part one and part two of that. Um, but it's going to be focusing on him and how he's actually setting up the fall of the New Republic. Uh, written by Charles So, who's actually handling a good deal of the writing over in the higher public side of things, uh, with art by Guillermo Sana, and it, I'm excited for this. Uh, cover is Marcian Rose standing on a cliff in a storm. He's got a helmet in one hand, and then he's got a lightsaber in the other. So I'm, I'm pumped for this one. Uh, I was a little let down by the Trail of Shadows that we read, which was the Jedi with the private investigator on Coruscant. Uh, but this one I think is definitely going to hit just in the right way because I do want to know more about this character uh, as we've been introduced to him over in Light of the Jedi. 
It's exciting to see him with a uh, lightsaber. Yeah, he looks badass. So, I, f- I guess the head nods for his pause, pause, pause. I was saying, I'm done. I don't have anything else oh. to. Okay, no, I. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, uh, we didn't talk about it yet in the word books with friends because that's part three. But he does like gain a lightsaber at that point, or brandish a lightsaber at that point. In the in, in the first part of the third part of the first book. I just started reading the second book, and the third book comes out this week as well. So yeah, uh, I have I have the second one. It's on the shelf right next to me for eventually when we get into that one. Uh, was that Rising Storm? Yeah. Yes, it's the one year anniversary apparently of the the. Uh, High Republic series wow. being released. That's impressive. Uh, in one year, they've had multiple comic book series, multiple novels, junior novels, junior comic book series, young adult novels. So that's yeah. a that's a big publishing push. All one year. Mm-hmm. Wow. Couldn't talk about it in a week in geek, but I forgot about that. That's okay. Hey, now you remembered. Um, Paul, it's okay. I understand you forgot something. You've been drinking. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I, I agree. And talking about the beer that you know bubbled up on me, uh, this is uh, Athletic Brew's Sunset Stoke, a non-alcoholic IPA. Uh, this is decent. I really enjoy this. It has a nice lingering bitter, so it's almost like um, what is, uh, you know, that piney bitterness, which is what I've been kind of craving and looking for in IPAs recently. It is still overall light. I would put it in the same kind of uh, flavor profile of lightness as a uh, all-day IPA, like that level. But, you know, still has a nice lingering bitter aftertaste, bittering uh, quality to it. Very good when it doesn't blow up uh, all over your desk. And I would probably get this over just their run wild, their standard non-alcoholic IPA. So Nice. Yeah. What are, what are you drinking, John? Uh, so I'm drinking from Community Beer Works. Uh, this is their alpaca sweater. This is a spiced porter. Um, my first sip out of this, I was like, wow, this is a great ginger, um, cinnamon, spiced porter. Wow. Uh, I went back to it, and I was like, oh, no. What's happened? Every sip after this, it tastes like I am drinking a porter after just brushing my teeth. Mm. Like it's got a mintiness. There's just something that happened after that first sip on my palate that now I am not enjoying this at all. I think I might be a lone person in this because this is very well reviewed. So I see you are drinking it out of a can. Try maybe pouring it into a glass and see if it opens up because maybe that initial sip that you had was when it like popped and like you were getting that kind of like olfactory presence of it. Maybe you got to kind of like freshen that up a little bit. All right, I'll I'll go rinse my glass. Will you review your beer? Absolutely, because uh, my next beer is coming from Parish Brewing out of Louisiana, and this is their Drive Through Tiger Blood, and. This is something I had to Google just to understand the name of it. Mm-hmm. But apparently in Louisiana, they have drive-through daiquiri shops because it is legally permissible to have 
alcohol in the car that you got from a restaurant as long as the cup is sealed. So mm-hmm. they basically put it in, like, it looks almost like something you would get uh, at, like, a boba tea shop where it's, like, sealed on top and then, like, the straws like, secured to the lid. So mm-hmm. if you get pulled over and you got your straw sticking in, well, obviously, open container, but as long as it's sealed, like, you're in the clear, baby. Uh, but it looks like they're doing a whole line of beers based off of different daiquiris that you can get at these drive through shops. Uh, and the first one here is, well, this is actually the third one, but the first one I've had uh, is their Tiger Blood, which is coconut, strawberry, and watermelon. And this tastes like a strawberry, coconut, watermelon daiquiri. Like, it's absolutely delicious. Um, it's a beautiful kind of like ruby red grapefruit juice color. Um, this would be amazing to have on a super hot day because it has that daiquiri taste and has that kind of nice, almost like lactose milk stout creaminess. Like it's there, but it's not heavy, like drinking an actual daiquiri. Uh, this is something that's going to be on my list now. Like I have to keep an eye out for more, from Parish in this drive-through line because this is this is delightful. It's all the wonderful taste of a daiquiri without that just gross, heavy, like mixed drink smoothie feeling. I like it a lot. Nice. John's pouring no. his beer into his glass. Oh, he's he's Ooh, looking he's at the nice, glass. He's holding his nice glass a bit of up. Head on that. He's sniffing the glass. I did a little bit of an aggressive pour so it could mix everything up, right? Mm-hmm. Aerate it up and... Yeah, yeah. Aerate it. Get that magic in there. Better, Better or worse? Nah, it's... No. Nah. Not good? Nah. Nah. Not, not, it's not doing it. It's okay. Me. You know, they can't all be winners. Much like we have with a dramatic reading. And now, a dramatic reading from Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 39, page 18, panel 3. What kind of idiot brings spears to a ring fight? The Jacquet spears have sunstone tips. They'll pierce our constructs. That was a dramatic reading from Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 39, page 18. Panel three. And to see which one of those two characters was <laughs> Hal Jordan. <laughs> uh, n- neither one of them was, because one's uh, Kyle Rader and the other one's Guy Gardner. <laughs> I know, but it would have been funny that then the people went to our Instagram. No, because <coughs> no, now they're like, oh my gosh, I was even further off than I thought. But yeah, go, go to the Instagram, see that panel. Uh, I'm going to be better about that. That's my New Year's resolution, guys, because I slacked off in the past month. With the with the posting, so I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. a fun panel, though. It's fun. Uh, I just scrolled through for a while before I, I just stopped on a book, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps was a book." <clears throat> well, you know what would help you remember us? You know, doing a look back at 2021. I was, I was gonna say I can't do another drink yet, Paul. I still have <laughs> I still have this one no, in no. front of me. That's- you know, us looking back at the comic books that we read, you know, the movies and TV or things that we watched and uh, beers that we drank back in 2021. 
Yeah. So, guys, I know and, e- um, every time we start off one of these things, we always talk about, well, what are we going to do first? And then we always circle back to the fact that we talk about a lot of junk, but we are a comic book podcast, first and foremost. <laughs> so I think it's only fitting that we take a look at our top three favorite comic books from the past year. Now, how are we going to do this? Are we going to list ours off, like... Three, two, one, or we want to go like around, like no, we each, each we do our round. Okay, we do our round robin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two and three. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, guys, I think I suffer a lot from regency bias, meaning the books that I've been reading recently have made it to the top of the list here, and uh, I think there's going to be a really surprising number three here. So I'm going to just get it out of the way. Ooh, it's going to be a it's going to be a book he hasn't read yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's going to be my number one. Everybody knows that. Come on. Got to keep it on theme. Got to keep it 100%. Uh, Batman White Knight. No, oh, yeah. Number three. Uh, it's, that's my number two. It was... I thought I was... You know, the first couple pages, I thought I was going to just hate this book, but it really turned around. It was probably my... The most... It, you know, I wouldn't say quote-unquote fun, but the best uh, Elseworlds telling of Batman that we've gotten in a while. Like, I did not enjoy Three Jokers. I did not enjoy... It had promise. Like, I I was interested in that. Not to get off subject, but that's, that sounded like it was going to be something special. Yeah. There was another one, right? Um, there's... there's can't, it's, you know, there's been a ton been, of... There, it, DC is throwing Batman stories out at you just like Marvel does with X-Men, Spider-Man titles. They finally, Mm -hmm. I think, have taken that lesson of Marvel just keeps throwing out titles. They'll end them in Mm -hmm. six issues once they get a trade out and reboot everything. DC is finally doing that, and they're doing it with... Batman hard, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. this is your I, number I two. I one hundred percent agree. Like when that book came out, and I looked at it, and I read the solicitations for it, I was like, oh, "What do we need this for? We don't need this." And then when I started hearing all the buzz about it, and then people were saying it was on their top, it was on their top list of the books of the year. I was like, "All right, well, we should give this a try." And I do love um, um, Sean Murphy's art, and I was like, "Yeah, let's let's give it a try." And I read probably what would be about the first issue or two issues, and that's why I picked it for for my trade and policy because I was like, "I actually think this is worth <laughs> this is worth reading," and I was glad that everybody came into it the same way I did. I don't need this Batman book. What? Why are we reading this? Where at the end of it, I was like, uh, I, I I bought the second volume. Like, I'm going to make you guys read it for my next trading policy because I liked it that much. It's <clears throat> it's really good. No, it's completely solid, and I'm glad we do have the chance to kind of circle back to this again because it was surprisingly good, and I think it's one of the best things that we've had come out from. Black Label, honestly, because I think this does what Black Label and Earth One both sought out to do. It just happens to do it 
in a better way. Yeah. Uh, 110%. I, I agree. <clears throat> so, John, uh, that was your number two. So what's uh, your number My number three, three is uh, Kang the Conqueror. Again, a book that I did not think I was going to like. Um, but this is written by uh, Colin Kelly, Jackson uh, Lang- Lansing, and art by Carlos uh, Magno. And the the covers by Mike Del Mundo. <clears throat> the covers are fantastic on all of these issues. Uh, but yeah, you're following King the Conqueror. You're following him at his beginning, and all the different things that he's doing in time. Uh, also, being trained to be King the Conqueror by his bitter future self, saying that he's not going to be that person. To eventually become that person, uh, I think it's I think it's really great. I really enjoy this version of of Kang the Conqueror. I enjoy following this character as he's. I'm never going to be like that, and then in the end, being like that. Like I, <laughs> I care. I've never known nor liked Kang the Conqueror till this year. Like. It's it's crazy. I shouldn't like this book, but I do. Um, I actually enjoyed this one a lot more than I thought I was going to when we read it. Because, again, being consumers of this media in all forms, as soon as you see the Kang the Conqueror book coming out, you're like, oh, well, it's because Kang's appearing in the Loki series. Mm-hmm. They got to tie it into something so people that watch that show, if they go into the comic book store, they're like, oh, I really like that Kang. What do you got? But this book actually stood out in a way that I don't think I've ever seen before. And it could be because I am not a Fantastic Four guy. That's, you know, Paul's corner of the universe in our podcast. So most of my Kang information comes from reading Young Avengers. And that version of Kang that we have is so different from who Kang is or what Kang will be. It's hard to like say like, yes, that's Kang the Conqueror because it's not at that point, but this was a lot of fun. And I'm kind of upset at myself for not going back into it and reading more. Um, Cause I did enjoy this one too. They're all there on the comicsology now. So I think I own them. I yeah, think John I Yale, too, so. so you can pick or choose yeah. which, which guy to read them from, but mm-hmm. Maybe I missed one, and he can go uh, into Johnson. Uh, <laughs> I, when I pulled when I pulled this up, I don't own issue one, but I I own the rest. Um, <clears throat> but Chris, you you're number three. Uh, my number three. It's a book that I've been talking about for a good chunk of the year now. Um, I started picking up late in 2020, and I don't think it made my favorite list for last year because. It's still pretty fresh, uh, but I'm more than confident in putting this on my list now. Uh, and this is Radiant Black, written by Kyle Higgins. Um, when we read this book, we were kind of intrigued by it because it's Kyle Higgins telling a Darkhawk story and a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers story in a way that's better than he's telling it in both of those <laughs> other books because he's writing Power Rangers and he's also writing Darkhawk over at Marvel. And 
it starts off just with your bare bones premise. Schlubby guy winds up getting superpowers, and then his life turns upside down from there. And I don't know if it's something I've actually mentioned on the show or to you guys in general, but in issue number four or five of the series, uh, your main character, Nathan, actually winds up getting killed by this entity that's hunting the Radiance. And then the black hole goes to his best friend, who's now like, oh, shit, like, I'm not even prepared for this. Nathan wasn't prepared for this. How do how do I handle this now? And then it's him joining forces with these other Radiants, trying to figure out what their powers are, where they're coming from, what they got to do with everything to fight back against this force. Uh, it escalates in such a big way for a book that, on its face, seems like something that we probably would have picked up one or two issues of it to read for a look back, and then it just kind of would have slid off the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad I've kept up on this one. I'm really jazzed to see where it goes because it's so much better than <laughs> what he's also doing in other books. And that just boggles my mind because like, if I'm loving this this much, I should be right there for Darkhawk and Power Rangers. I mean, we grew up with Power Rangers. Like that should be a no brainer, but reading Black's got it and I'm here for it. Is it, as big of a turn as uh, like Invincible was, like Invincible seemed um, like it was just like going to be a middling, like oh you know. I wouldn't say it's as big as story. that Invincible turn because that Invincible turn comes like so out of left field because you're sold you know Mark growing up in this loving caring household where his dad just happens <laughs> to be the biggest and best superhero <laughs> in the world. And then once you get that flip in like issue six or seven, whichever one it was, that just kind of like tears all that down. We're, Sorry. Sorry. John, John's was having a sneeze. Like, no, it's just a, it was, John a, was having I, a physical reaction. Was he was trying not he was to remembering that fight scene. Between, boy, I coughed. <laughs> oh, he's remembering that fight scene between, uh, uh, Mark and his dad. And he just like had a physical reaction to it. Uh, I don't think it's that level though. Um, because okay. that really was a huge shock. But again, like even at this point, like four issues in, you don't expect the, the book main to character. kill off your main character yeah. and then do like a 180 on it. Um, check it out. If you haven't already, uh, pick it up. I think it's free on Comixology if you have their Unlimited. Um, it's, a, it's, it's just a fun, dope read. I love it. Paul. Number twos. Do you want to... Are we snake drafting? Well, I would go, go number, number two, two now? but I, we've already done my number two. Oh, so... So, Chris, what's your number so, two? Yeah. Uh, my number two also... A uh, book I started picking up this year, so it's a little bit fresher to the list. Uh, and this one, written by... Uh, is this Tom Taylor, too, or is this Tom King? Ooh. Ooh. Which book is it? Uh, this is actually Seven Secrets coming out Ooh. from Boom Studios. And I feel I bad know. because I think that this is Tom my Taylor? pick. John and I talked about this a little bit before, but I'm really bad at remembering which Tom is writing <laughs> which book right now. This is this is Tom Taylor as well. Um, but yeah, this is definitely very much in the vein of something like Saga or Why the Last Man, where it's that look back on someone's life with 
who they are and where they came from that led them to this point. And this one focusing on the secret organization that's protecting the seven secrets that are responsible for life as you know it, and any of them being discovered or released could destroy the world. And a boy who's brought up in this order, uh, who is now charged with protecting one of these secrets. And it's hitting those saga notes for me where it's such a bittersweet story of life and love and loss for, um, for Casper. And it goes to weird places. Like there's fairy realms at this point, uh, where we're at now, Sweden's been wiped off the map because the first secret has been opened, uh, by a cabal of people that are seeking to like, find and destroy all the secrets who have infiltrated uh, the keepers. And uh, it's, it's a fun book, frantic, energetic, but still bright and colorful. Um, I I knew from the get go, like every single issue of this book I picked up, I'm like, this is one of my favorite books of the year. And it's continued to be at that level for me. So I, I believe you picked this for your, in your top three last year too. I'm, I might have. I do want to. It's something I want to do for one of our uh, pub quiz nights. I want to go back to all of our previous year end lookbacks so I can see what we picked for everything, uh, just to see how good we are at remembering most of that stuff. But yeah, I I absolutely adore this book. Um, Tom Taylor and um, Daniel DiNicolo are just again knocking it out and. I, 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 I think I read the first three issues and then just what's really sucky about I think how we are as comic book readers is I don't read anything more than that normally because I don't have a when I have a spare second I'm doing something different than sitting down and reading a comic book and when I do sit down to read comic books it's for trade and policies or lookbacks. And they're a mm-hmm. big blitzkrieg of, oh, we're doing the show yeah. on Thursday. Tuesday night, I'll read one book before I go to bed. I'll read two books uh, on Wednesday, and then I will blitzkrieg and read them all, the rest of the books, uh, before the podcast. And I I just I'll wish say- I wish I had time to sit down and read. And, like, I had a couple moments where I would take a break when we were working on the house and I'd go out and sit on my, my new lovely front patio and uh, sit and read. Or it was like, Grayson's asleep and it's a beautiful October night and I go outside and I have either a cocktail or a beer and I was just sitting and reading. And like that's I read a month early for trade and policy um human target and i was just like i'm just gonna sit out and read what a lovely concept for a comic book fan um some of my favorite days are when i have the day off and i don't have anything in particular that i want to do or if i have multiple days off and i can just like go get a four pack or a growler from a local brewery and I'll sit down on my patio and just read comics and not even just like you were saying the comics that we're reading for the show, but I can just go back and be like, okay, I got, you know, 
oh, two issues of Radiant Black to read. Oh, I have three issues of Magic the Gathering. And I can just sit there and go through stuff. And then it's like, oh, well, what else have I missed? And I can download those books and kind of catch up. And it's great to read the books as a fan. It's great to read them as a critic. But, man, just, like, sitting down to enjoy them is completely different. And I've little by little been able to get that. And I think once... I know it's January, but once the weather turns in Buffalo, and yes, uh, Buffalo is expected to get uh, 8 to 15 inches in the next 24 hours. Uh, uh, But once that weather turns, like, I love being able to sit out on my patio and read. Or I just, just sit out there and just rock in a rocking chair and be an old man looking at people going across my street. Like... I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that as just someone who, before my son was born, on Sunday mornings, I'd have breakfast with my wife and we'd catch up, and I'd be like, "Hey, watch your TV shows," and I'd go sit in the backyard in an Adirondack chair with a tablet and read five or six comic books with my morning cup of coffee. Like, hopefully, I'll be able to do that in the summer. Like. I'm 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 looking forward to being able to do that again, especially with a son who can kind of entertain himself now. He's very high end. He loves playing with his dad, and his dad cannot find it. When my son walks up to me and goes, you, "Will you you play with me? You play with me, Dad?" I cannot find it in me to say no. So I am on the floor playing Godzilla toys or we're running around the house playing <laughs> Ghostbusters or today his new favorite book. I said uh, before the show is his new favorite book is the Gruffalo, which is this monster with orange eyes and a black tongue and a a poisonous wart on the end of his nose. Uh, and we played. Sounds, it right. sounds like Liz. Uh, we played we played Aquanauts. I was Captain Barnacle, and he was Quasi, and we were searching the jungle for uh, the Gruffalo. The Gruffalo. So it's just it's just it's it's really fun to have a someone someone to play with that I used to love. Like I would have loved to have played with me as a little kid, and now I get to do it. So, question for you. Have you tried combining the playing with reading your books? Like, not just, like, picking up a comic book that you have and, like, okay, you know, I'm going to read you this Batman. Like, been like, oh, we're going to read Something's Killing the Children, Volume 1. And, like, have you tried, like, reading it out loud so you can, like, entertain while still, like, absorb? Uh, Yes and no. Uh, I told my son the story of The Hobbit. Every night for three weeks. And my wife and I switch off. Uh, and he fucking... Lo- he, he said, like... He didn't know it, it, the story as Hobbit. As the Hobbit, he noticed... Knew it as Bilbo Baggins. Tell me more about Bilbo Baggins and the Goblins. Tell me more about Bilbo Baggins and Smog. Like, he loved that. My three-year-old son... He was two years old knew probably more more about The Hobbit than just an everyday person who watched the movies. Uh, so, yes and no. We- so, for his fourth birthday, he's getting the black yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me write yeah. that down. Uh, but, yeah, like, I I tell my story, I tell my son stories about his, I, 
I tell my son stories every night about Din Djarin and the Mandal, you know, the Mandalorian and Grogu. And a lot of times he requests like he says, Grayson, Daddy, Mandalorian, Din Djarin, Grogu fight spiders. And then I tell him a story about all of us fighting spiders together. Like So yes and no. He he knows that the Mandalorian's name is Din Djarin. You could ask most people on the street who've watched season one and two and couldn't tell you the name. Uh, I still hear people refer to Grogu as Baby Yoda every day yeah. too. So I mean that's so that's something. Uh, he's got he's the kid's getting some good nerd cred. I will say that if that means anything in this world, he'll. He'll it have, does not. Sorry, it's not currency he can trade in for he'll, anything. He'll have, else. A, he'll have a wait. It's not cryptocurrency when he's uh, he's older. Mm-hmm. Uh, send in on this one, Paul. It's uh, we, yep, talk, we yep, talk about comic books. What oh. you got? Uh, also, I'm going to spread some love for Tom Taylor, and this is Dark Ages. I talked about this uh, number issue number four coming out. Uh, this week, so it's a relatively new book. Only three issues have come out back in 2021. But, um, yeah, this is telling the not-so-post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic uh, story of the Marvel Cinema, or Marvel Universe uh, without power, without electricity. A bunch of the heroes, of course, died in the first wave, uh, but this is basically the telling of Peter Parker seven years after that event um, and initial wars and death, basically building a new, you know, basically middle ages town, you know, without electricity and and, uh, kind of vending, you know, trying to build something, trying to build a a new life with, you know, um, May with his daughter, right? Yeah, May and, uh, Mary Sorry, Jane. Paul, so, I wasn't making a, that face at you. Book. My wife came down and holding a box oh. and was making hump motions. So I was I was giving her mm. the face back. The hump face. Ah. It says fragile the side up. What's in the box? The dehydrator. Oh, the dehydrator. My wife's making jerky, everybody. I thought I was going to I thought I was going to smoke that jerky. jerky. Time. You didn't do it today, so. Oh. I'm home for four days. I want jerky. Okay. She's home for four days, everybody. She wants some jerky. <laughs> she wants jerky. <coughs> You're going to do it tonight? It's going to take hours. Yes, they're already snowed in. She's setting an alarm every four hours to check on her jerky. That's four hours is enough time. Like, you can get, like, decent sleep and slowly wake up and go back. Uh, um, motions. Like, at that point, too... <laughs> Have have you read issue number two of Dark Ages? Is it live yeah. up to the promise of the first one? It, it's still now. It's like the first issue was set up of the crisis. The second issue is the set up of the new crisis okay. of you know the you know who the actual villains are. You know who's actually trying to upset this new peace that has been found in the world seven years after the you know the the uh, EMP pulse that ripped apart. I didn't think I was going to like this book, and I only read the first. I only read the first issue, but by the end of the first issue, I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm down for this." And again, it's 
it's me as a bad comic book reader to not keep up on this book. Yeah. But at the same time... Don't worry, I'm one book behind. (laughs) Didn't we read, like, a DC version of this story, too, at some point in the recent history that we were like, ugh, like, this isn't what we do? Or am I thinking back years ago to something else? I think you're thinking about something else. Okay. I know there was a... DC deceased. There was the deceased, which actually Chris liked. I like that one. Didn't keep up on it. And then they're doing the vampires one right now because the first issue came out back in like October. Yeah, but for then Halloween. they do that with the new Fifty Two with I Vampire. No, but there's a new one where it's basically deceased, but it's now it's vampires. But what instead. about four years ago when um, uh, Green Arrow was turned into a werewolf? Uh, I don't even remember that. Uh, no, I think, were you thinking of, we just read it with the, um, the, uh, it was with, like, Lex Lex Luthor and Lois Lane, and they were solving the crimes with the question, and... No, like, Leviathan, no. That... So the only thing I could think of. Because they did the dark metal stuff that none of us, neither of us, uh, and, and yeah, then maybe... none of us read. Oh, okay, so we didn't read this, but I'm thinking of it because it's called Dark Knights of Steel, also written by Tom Taylor, uh, giving the Justice League a medieval flair. So we did not pick this up, but I probably read a solicitation for it Mm. and passed up on it. So it looks exactly like that. It's a medieval fantasy world with the DC superhero. That's what I I have issued one of that in my... Wish list because I was like, eh, that could be fun. So I don't want to get too far ahead, but I'm about to because spoilers. My number one's going to uh, be so is so is mine. Okay, so it also happens Taylor. to be written by Tom Taylor. Did <coughs> did we sleep on not reading Injustice and Deceased? Because apparently, like everything this dude does we wind up loving and we, we're just not aware of it until we read it do we need to the, go back the, and um well, that's what trade el- trading the, policies are for right yeah the um the the uh injustice is supposed to be great it's supposed to be great it's supposed yeah. to be it's, it's much supposed better to be than the video game. fantastic it's supposed to be so much better than the video game yeah they did multiple years yeah. of that <laughs> I, it's one of those things that you know we're just talking about it. I was like Tom Taylor, I thought he was around for years. Like he's more relatively new with the stuff that he's been doing, but it's interesting that we're all just getting. Oh, he did a Paul. He did Rocketeer stuff. Oh, wow. Star Wars: Age of uh, Age of Resistance, Injustice. Mm-hmm. I think this is definitely somebody yeah. that we should be paying more attention paying more to. more attention to? And Paul, or Chris, like you said, you like Deceased. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I can't deny that Robbins is a good book. I, I do have to say I am a bad comic uh, book no. reader. I fall behind Robbins was much not a like book. Nightwing. Oh, not Robin. Nightwing. Nightwing. Robbins was garbage. And that's that was Tom Taylor, was too, horrible. right? No. No, that was no, uh, so. Kyle Higgins. No. no, not Kyle Higgins. Oh, who it was somebody that we like. I'm looking it up right now because 
Oh, it's it's pulling up Robin because I bought a lot of Robin. Uh, Robins. Uh, Tim Seeley. Tim Seeley. He's, he's he's a he's a good he's a good guy. Yeah. Hex, <coughs> listen to slash, our right? yeah. Uh, listen to our monthly look back last month for more about Robins, as well as the superior Robin flashback book, Robin and Batman, which I think we agreed was like our favorite book for that month. Um, but Paul, we've talked about a lot of stuff now. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it technically your pick again for your number one? Yeah, Did we I'll say go enough with my number one. Why not? Uh, because it is. No, be- well, because we have to get to our number ones. We just kind of usurped Paul's number two because he was talking about Dark Ages, which was written by that Tom was his Taylor. number two. <laughs> so it's yes, it's so now it's, I'm going to talk about my turn. number one. About number one. No, I don't care. I'll okay, talk about yours because we're going to gush about right, Nightwing so, for a while. Yeah, we're going to talk about Nightwing. Uh, much like you know, John was saying earlier, I'm a bad comic book reader. I don't take enough time. That's why I like a good anthology book. Because, you know, it's one book, I get to read a bunch of different stories, and there was one that came out this year, and that's Wonder Woman, Black and Gold. That was Issue good. one, we did read, and we did enjoy some of the stories, and it keeps on coming out, uh, and it's I, it's like comfort food. I know that I can go back and read one of those issues anytime I want. I don't need to worry about continuity. They're evergreen. I'm glad we're getting this for Wonder Woman, you know. I think it worked really well for Batman. I didn't think it worked so well with Superman. We read that first issue, and uh, what was it? Superman Red and Blue? Yeah. Yeah. It, that one, it people just don't, didn't... There's, there's not enough... People have a good idea different to do a story with Superman, to do that quick and mm-hmm. easy. Um, it's not like the... Uh, what is it? Uh, what do you get? The Man of Tomorrow? Or, like, that was in a Superman... Mm-hmm. Wasn't that in a Superman anthology? Or was that an Alan Moore anthology? That was an Alan Moore store. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. But still, nobody comes up with good short stories for Superman. Yeah. Yeah. And with Wonder Woman, you can go anywhere. You can go Young Diana on uh, the island. Uh, You can go totally mythology, you know? You can go, you know, modern superhero stuff. You can go ancient old woman, old king... Old Queen uh, Wonder Woman, you know. So it, it's a lot of fun to get these quick little bites. You know, I know I only really read through the first issue. I do own one through four. I did promise the listeners that I would pick a book that I haven't <laughs> read, and this is basically it. Uh, no, but, but, you know, we're going to talk about Nightwing, a book that I read the first uh, couple issues of, and then, you know, fall it off of reading because, you know, much like John, I read the comic books that I, I'm going to pick for the look back, and then I read the comic books for uh, the trading policy. So I really wanted to pick uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, The Promise, Bellingham's 1, 2, and 3, because I read them this year, but those things that were like, like 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, the, but those are but, books that I actually like, read. But like Yanni and I went to a uh, Barnes and Noble, like last week, and I mean, we always like walk through the trade paperback section, and looking at the shelf that had all the Avatar: The Last Airbender trade paperbacks, there's like four or five volumes of The Promise, and there's 
like so many other like spin-off books that come out after that. It's like Ooh, they they did their work like fleshing out this universe after the show ends. Mm-hmm. I had something to say too, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I had something more important to say, yeah. so that's why I kept going. You didn't commit to it, John. And, uh, you know, they really flesh out all the different types of Wonder Woman that can be. In the Black Label book, which, you know, honestly, knowing it's a different size format and it's a nicer quality book, makes me kind of want to buy it and, like, print. But then, I again, I'm like, yeah, it would just be on the shelf. Um, Last year, I picked Black Sad as my one of my favorite books of the year because... Mm. It was. It was great. It was something again that like none of us were expecting that that book to be to be anything. And you know, you'd heard it was really good. I have I bought like a couple more of the trades and then they just the the French or I think it's French co- company yeah. just um reissued everything and then I'm like I'm missing more trade. Like I'm missing pr- trades in between those trades that I'd already bought. So it's like, oh man, I'm, I have like four or five different um, different trades of Black Sad that I'm like, whenever I'm going to sit down and read the next one, I need to actually figure out what ir- are the next issues. So I'm going to put a bookmark in our discussions currently because Paul, I think you did bring up something that we should probably be talking about, and I'm surprised we haven't come to this realization sooner. Uh, so I'm going to submit it now to you guys. We can come back later on in the show. Uh, your favorite trade paperback or one-shot from the past year, too. That way you can mention something like uh, Avatar Last Airbender, The Promise, or if there's something else that maybe you read or you had picked for a uh, trading policy that we talked about. Uh, again, floating it out there, you can think about it while we're finishing up stuff or while we're on a pause. Because um, well, I I do think we should put this in there. No, I, no, no. Like, uh, uh, I don't want I don't want you to talk about it now because we're talking well, about our favorite I, comics. I just want to. I, I think this this is supposed to be our favorite things that we read out of the year. You know, like. Paul and I both picked White Knight for this. That was a trade that actually come out the 2018. Yeah. Like we had just read it, okay. and basically Paul picked Blue and Gold anthology book that he only read the first issue of. He bought he bought more of them, yeah. but it's still like that one shot. Mm-hmm. So it should just be okay. I'm just I'm just thinking. I think about my favorite comics as stuff that I go back to, and like I'm. I'm still reading. I'm continuing to read. Because as soon as I started to think, well, what was my favorite trade paperback at one shot? I said, oh, my God, Mouse Guard, Allahan Caregiver. And would I say that's one of my favorite comics of the year? No, because I'm consistently <coughs> going back and picking up Radiant Black, Seven yeah. Secrets, and Nightwing. But Allahan Caregiver, oh my, like that's on my shelf. And it's going to be something that I constantly go back to. So it's a yeah. different... I guess we different branch of the yeah, same question I guess, and it's how you interpret it but we a lot of times we give the um honorable mentions if we feel like there's something we need to do oh then i'll roll mention uh I'll take <laughs> from uh because <laughs> honestly i don't think we'll remember 
Oh, you, oh, you made a point. I you. literally thought, no, I thought to myself, like, on the show notes that we have that we constantly update with what the like, upcoming episodes mm-hmm. are and, like, what we'll be talking about, just put it in there. Like, year-end look back. <laughs> like, we need to do books, movies, beers, trade paperback, uh, whatever else we want to come up with. Mm. Sounds good. I don't know. I was who's coming up with a thing? I don't know. Fuck uh, me, I guess. Chris, uh, no, Tom Taylor, just... how great is he on Nightwing? Um, he's the best on Nightwing, and apparently he's the best on every book that we're reading and not reading because, man, we've, we've really missed out on stuff, I think. But I'm happy to say I did not miss out on Nightwing because Nightwing is a book that I have consistently and continuously bought ever since we got back into comics, low these 20 years ago now. Um, but there was a time where I just stopped buying Nightwing because I could not get into it. After he had been shot in the head and he forgot who he was, and then he was Rick Grayson, at that point I was like, this isn't the book that I want to read anymore. And I fell off for a while, and then that story went on for like two years. And once they kind of start, like started to circle back, I was like, uh, I still don't know if I want to pick up on it. And then it was sold to me as like, hey, a brand new era for Nightwing coming out with like issue number 78 by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. And I was like, okay, like, you know, that's a good jumping back on point again. And ever since then, for the past, I don't even know, like, how many months out of the past year, uh, Nightwing has been, like, the book that you can pick up and hold up and be like, yeah, this is why I like Nightwing as a character. Everything that you love about Dick Grayson shines through in everything about this book, and it's done so well. It's it's the perfect Nightwing book, and I thought I had already had the perfect Nightwing book back in the early 2000s when it was being written by people like Devin Grayson or like later on like Pete Tomasi when he was handling Dick Grayson over in uh, Batman. Like, this is everything you would ever want from Dick Grayson as a character doing what he does best, which is caring about people because that's the biggest thing you can walk away about Dick Grayson. First Robin did his own thing and he just... He cares about everybody. It's not about proving something. It's not about solving something or stopping something. It's looking out for the little guy. And it's, it's got it. I love it. Uh, and yeah, this is my, my number one as well. Because when we read this issue, I think, Chris, you you and I both bought issue. We bo- Yeah, we, we both picked it up because we're like, we're, we're doing Nightwing, right? And we both bought it because we're like, yeah, it's uh, Nightwing. And then I continued to buy it. You continued to buy it. And it's one of those things like, no, 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 I really love it. I really need to show my support because not only is it a gr- it's a great interpretation of Nightwing, it takes me back to when we were just really big comic book fans and we loved comic books and DC was doing everything great. We loved everything DC at that time. And it takes me back to that, but it also takes me back to, like, I just remember you, Chris, being like, I'm really loving this Nightwing book. 
and you gave me like if you're gonna read one of them, read this one. And it was the death uh death stroke gonna kill his partner and he buys him off with like one dollar one dollar more. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man, that was <laughs> that was that was really good. And you're like, Yeah. And you give me this stack of books and I tore through them. And I was like, Okay, I love I love Nightwing. I named my son son Grayson. Like Dick Grayson Nightwing is an absolute love. If you were to say like, okay, name your top five favorite superheroes, like Dick Grayson would probably be my number one. Hal Jordan would be to my number two. Multiple Man is your number three. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, no, it's it's uh the the character Strong Guy. Strong uh, it's, Guy. It's a character three. random from uh, X Men. You might not know him. Or it's like, extreme. Uh, who also is a summer's kid. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was just like, yeah. As we read in X-Men yes. uh, Legends, uh, number one that uh, came out this year. But this is such a, it's a going back because there was that great run in the early, mid-2000s that just solidified what what Nightwing was to me. Wally, Wally West... Um, Jeff John's run like on Wally West solidified like Wally West as the flash for me. And it was just those that time, it was all around the same time that I was just like, yes, I this is the reason I love this character. And I haven't had that for years and years and years and years until Tom Taylor, who probably read those Nightwing books at the same time as me and became a comic book writer, said, Oh, I get my chance to write Nightwing. I'm going to write the Nightwing that I love. And Chris just moved his camera down to show, oh, you're showing. Uh, I, ha- I uh, have a, a surprise co host to lose his, like, literally sitting on my desk, and he was sitting right in front of the microphone and then watching uh, you talk about <laughs> uh, I thought you were showing me your crotch to show me your Nightwing erection, but. Uh, yes. <laughs> I call my dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just. This is just, it brings me back to what I love of this character, what I love about comic books, and when I was an insanely crazy, diehard comic book reader. It's the era that, I mean, it brought us all into being huge comic book fans that we were like, oh, we can do a fucking podcast about it. And now we're grizzled... uh, Old assholes, yeah. Grizzled, bitter old men. Uh, also, and then, I, then I, we waited three more years, and then we started <laughs> then we the podcast. Uh, also, I'm I'm remiss because I didn't mention like the Chuck Dixon years on Nightwing because this is hearkening back to that too. Like, just like he's not a beat cop anymore, but it's hitting that same like he's doing everything he can to like try to like support and like build and even even his relationship with babs in it like it just all just feels so right it's it's what i loved about nightwing then and i love it now so paul now you can talk about your number one no i did Wait, what Wonder was... Woman Black and Gold. Oh, okay. That was, I thought... Yeah. Sorry. We knew it was going to be short. One, two, so That's three. why we yes. got mine okay. out of the way. Yep. So, oh, uh... Man. So, yeah. Those are our top three-ish comic books from the past year. Um, John's holding up a beer can because I think that means he wants to talk about a beer that's from Florida. Yeah. 
Uh, this is a collab between uh, Angry Chair out of Tampa, Florida, Florida, that we've been to a lot. Three times? Three, four times? Yeah. Uh, and Two. Untitled Art, which is a brewery I had never heard of and had never had anything from. Um, but because it's from Untitled Art, I was able to get this beer. And this is Midnight Toffee Stout. And this is Ooh. as sweet and syrupy as you could think. Uh, but in a, in a good way. Uh, it it Okay, because I was like, ooh, It works with awful. the stout that has uh, cocoa nibs, vanilla beans, Belgian candy syrup, and milk sugar coming in at 12.3%, but drinks like you've melted down stif- sticky toffee pudding and made a drink out of it. Mm. Uh, it is basically flat. There's like no carbonation to it. It is thick <laughs> syrup. I've just been I've just been drinking this. It's I'm almost done with this glass. Uh, 16 ounce can. It's really good. It works uh, when you think it shouldn't. It's flat. It's, it's overly syrupy sweet. Syrupy. I just really enjoy it. <laughs> So, when you were talking about them, I just looked up Untitled Art quick, and I'm trying to find out where they're from, because it looks like they've done mostly collaboration beers with other people, and they just started in 2016, so they're still pretty recent, I would say, for (coughs) getting into the game. Um, They've also teamed up with Drecker, Equilibrium, Aslan, um, Finback, Forger... Not a lot of Hidden Springs they did something with. Do you know where they're from? Because they don't list, like, a location. And even when you click on their contact, it just opens up, like, an email form. Like, they Hmm. don't have a, like, a, hey, we're here kind of thing. Do you think they're, like, just uh, a ghost band? (laughs) Yeah, like, well, no. I I, I mean, Ghost Brewery, like, they don't have, like, an actual location. Like, they just kind of, like, they have ideas and then they team up with people that they're like, hey, let's... Let's brew some shit. They did stuff with Voodoo. Uh, so it says Wanakee WI. So I think it's Wanakee, Wisconsin. They're a Wisconsin brewery? Like I said, I had never heard of them, but there's some of those Midwest breweries that have distribution out here. And that's where I figured uh, this is where they came from. This was given to me as a gift. Um, from a friend of mine who lives in Rochester that was like, I had this beer. It was, it was like crazy. And I thought you would like it. Um, and when they gave it to me, I was like, Oh, angry chair. How did you get this? And then they said, well, the guy at the beer store said I should try it. And I was like, Oh, and then I looked at it more and I was like, Oh, it, it, I must've been able to get it because it was from untitled art. Hmm. Anyways. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm interested. Um, I know last time we went to Angry Chair, we didn't have the best experience. I think it's part of, like, we had built it up so much in our minds from, like, the first two times that we had been through there that we loved it. And just prior to that, we had gone to Hidden Springs for the first time. And Hidden Springs was such a breath of fresh air. Like, it was such, like, new, big, surprising flavors that it 
it was kind of hard to follow up on that because this sounds delicious. As soon as you said like that bread pudding, I was like, Ooh, like I, I want to drink yeah, that. It's, it's nice. Um, yeah. Like that trip, we had had a great time at cigar city. Hidden Springs was really great. So it also was like, we had done a lot of drinking before there. So it's always never a great time when you're just like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Just give me that. But also like, the other times we had gone there, it felt like Angry Cheer was our secret. Because we were both times there wasn't a lot of people in there. We had a good experience with the bartender. And I think like we got something out of the tank when we were there last time too. Yeah. And like yeah. we just had a really good previous experience, is that it was just kind of like end of the day. We also had to drive back to Orlando. It was wet and rainy and yeah, it was kind of a crummy day out. I think too. I fell asleep in the car on the way either there or I fell asleep. No, it was on the way back because we did we meet the girls at Disney Springs because didn't Sue and yeah. Caitlin have Grayson yeah. there? We did something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it was like two, three years ago because of COVID. Um, I would definitely go back to check it out again, though. Like, I've never had a bad no. experience because I just think it was hard to follow up Hidden Springs at yeah. that point. Um, and if we do head out to Tampa to go back to Angry Chair or Hidden Springs or Cigar City, because, man, Tampa's got a lot of great breweries, um, we might want to check out Tampa Bay Brewing Company because from them, I am drinking their Moose Killer. And this is an American barley wine mm-hmm. style ale. Uh, this is sitting at 10% ABV. Mine was 12.3, um, so I think I won. I mean, it's not a... Not but if it was... Uh, guys, I think I got you all beat. I got the <laughs> zero. And that's like... Zero! Uh, a, not the, even the number, number is zero. The limit does not zero exist. Point zero point yeah, zero. It, it's not even a number. Uh, so. But this is Moose Keller, and they named it because it was something that they had been messing around with and during the recipe, and then they drank it and are like... Ooh, this could kill a moose. And part of me thought it could have been called Moose Killer because there might have been something in the brewing that gave it just that nice, rich sweetness, like a like a maple or like a aged in some mm. sort of syrup. Because there's a wonderful richness to this. No, it's just picking up that wonderful, deep, rich caramel flavor from the fact that it's just a really good knockout barley wine. Um, I picked up a four-pack of this because I saw it at my beer store, and I was like, hey, I'm going to pick up a four-pack of a barley wine because I love me some barley wines. Uh, this is the third one of these I've drank. This is definitely one of those things that if I go back to my beer store and they still have it, I am picking up another four-pack of it. It's amazing. It's everything you want from a barley wine. It's just that nice, raisiny, caramel sweetness. The right amount of, like, tannin, like, bitterness on the tongue that just kind of dries it out enough that you're like, I should probably take another sip, but then you're like, maybe not. This is 10%. Um, yeah, I I love it. Uh, after drinking one of these, my girlfriend fell asleep on the floor next to my computer. Uh, <laughs> Not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying, like, this... Yeah. It, this could knock you out. Um, this will definitely be my last beer from the night, because... I, 
I know we're going to be talking for a little while still, but I don't want to risk it. I want to remember the last of our yearly look back because, man, we still got a bunch of stuff to talk about. I never talked about my beer, guys. And this is, I like breweries, Dark and Gordy. Mmm. It's, it's their pumpkin. Wait, Dark and, okay. When you said Dark and Gordy, Gordy I imagine like Gordy Howe because mm-hmm. it's athletic brewing. I didn't think Gordy like uh, pumpkin yeah. beer. I went I went hockey with it. Nice. I feel like you've talked about this one already. Have I? Have you had this one before? I got it in the last time I ordered a case, which was probably November-ish. Which you probably would have had a on call dry yep. week when you were on call. If I go ahead and go for okay. it, because I don't remember okay. it. This is dark, rich, and it has a nice, strong pumpkin flavor to it. It's this is exactly what I would. This is what I want when I get a non-alcoholic beer. Like, okay, it doesn't have any bite to it, but man, does it deliver on all the flavor? Like, is it the best pumpkin ale that I've drank in? No, but it's up there. It's better than some of the worst pumpkin beers that I've drank. So, uh, yeah, it's really enjoyable. <laughs> Doing bushlight apple, Bush, which is basically bushlight apple. Man, it's still good, it's still so good. But yeah, be on the lookout at this for the seasonal release from Athletic Beer Company. Uh, Dark and Gordy, really, really decent. It's like Jolly Ranchers, like uh, sour. When the green when you apple, sent me the one last Jolly year, like, I, I really dug it. Like I was surprised mm. at just like how how good it was. It's good. No, I, I was trying to remember what silly beer surprised me, or what beer I was really like wowed by and wanted to talk about on this. Are we doing beers next? I'm sorry. Uh, no, we talked. We talked about it. We're going to do movies. Doing, so you uh, got time to think things about that. that we watched. Okay. okay, good. <coughs> because we're we're doing what we watch, so it doesn't necessarily just need to be movies or TV shows. We used to kind of separate stuff out a little bit more. In the ye olden times of things. Um, but with everything just kind of going directly to streaming now, watching is so much more kind of nebulous that I feel the same way about watching a TV shoot, uh, show as I do a movie or just like a documentary or video on YouTube. Like I'm just putting on something to consume while I'm sitting on the couch eating my like egg rolls or something. <laughs> Guys, we're back. Though yeah. theaters are back open, I went to the movie theaters twice this year, which is basically the amount of times that I go to a movie theater pre-pandemic. <laughs> so we're back, baby. Yeah, I did want to start off by saying, we're back, baby. I actually kept a list of everything I watched, and then as soon as I started talking to John in our pre-show chat, uh, I realized everything I watched was like most of the stuff that I watched because there's definitely things that I had missed when I was compiling my list. Uh, sometimes it's just hard to remember, like, hey, I went to the movies. Let me write this down in my little notebook when I get home. But I feel... And I and I, I reminded you of one that you, you did. loved this year. Um, we'll see if it made my list. But it felt great to have to think, like, wow, I watched a lot of stuff this year. And not just sitting on my couch streaming <clears> things. <throat> I actively got up and we went to the movies multiple times to consume content. And every single time we did it, 
it did feel a little bit more special. Like it was an event. Like John, no offense. I'm going to say something and I don't mean this to sound negative, but we used to just go to the movies all the time. It was just a thing we would go do because it's like, Oh, Hey, uh, I work until six. Oh, I work until five. Yeah. You want to go to the movies? Yeah. Uh, now it definitely feels a lot more like event viewing, which I think kind of lended to a lot of the attitude that I had coming out of some of these movies. Cause there's stuff that I saw that I didn't absolutely love, but I came out of it being like, no, I, I got to go to the movies, you know, like we would go to Disney Springs and get dinner, see a movie and then leave and like walk around and talk about the movie and get like dessert or like a drink. And like it, it felt special. 2021, the only movies I saw in theater were all Marvel movies. Wow. <laughs> Surprising. Hey, in seven more days, I get to watch Eternals. <laughs> oh, I, I'll, I'll check it out. I'm, it's not on my list, but I do want to see it again to see if I feel stronger or better about it. Because I think it was fine. Like, I don't feel like I ever we're, need to We're watch not it again. negative. Like, we don't do our, like, least favorites or... Like, yep. the worst of the year, but if I had to pick something that would be, like, my lower tier, it would have probably been Eternals, because I thought it was fine. Uh, my worst movie of the year, uh, hot take for you, Chris, Jungle Cruise. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, we just watched it a couple days ago, and I was like, oh, that's... that was bad. It's... it's a popcorn mm. flick. Like, I... I don't know, like, how you went into it, because I just went in, like, you know, like, fun adventure movie. I went into it having heard you two talk about it, like, oh, yeah, no, it was fun. And I I knew that, like, that The Rock was a conquistador, and I knew all of, I knew all of that going mm-hmm. in. But it just was... My only complaint about it was like the force romantic thing at Mm -hmm. the tail end because you can have two people just be like at odds but working together on a thing. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that Shang-Chi did really well too where, yeah, Sean and Katie are best friends. Like they Mm -hmm. go through that huge transformative experience and then they come out at the Mm -hmm. tail end of it just being like, no, we're we're buds. Like, not every movie has to have a romantic entanglement in it. Like, that doesn't need to be your end game for a male and female character in a movie. Like, people can just be friends, and I applaud something like Shang Chi for for having that. Like, I buy their friendship. Like, it's awesome, and I I love that part of it, and. I kind of liked that in uh, Jungle Cruise. But then, like, there's that forced kiss, and I got that. That was the thing for me that I was mm-hmm. like, y- you don't gotta do that. Like, and I guess also the fact that, like, the fact that she's got a brother that's left out of all the marketing is kind of weird, too. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I dug that movie. Uh, I look forward to Jungle Cruise 2 or. Jungle twos, whatever they want to uh, be calling it. Okay, are we talking about movies that 
came out early, like maybe there's a movie that I would want to put on my list. It came out in 2020, but I didn't watch it until this year. I mean, if we follow the comic book rule, that's that's absolutely fine. Like, it's your favorite movie of the year. Okay. Okay, so Jungle Cruise is my number three. It sucked. It was a lot it's of fun. Uh, it sucked. So, okay, how do you feel about Jungle Cruise versus something like Pirates of the Caribbean? I think it. Uh, I think Pirates of the Caribbean did what Jungle Cruise wanted to do, but better. Hmm. In the sequel, I would not. I would not lie. Not like it's that's one. that's how I feel. I think Pirates okay. is better, but I think Jungle Cruise is definitely in the same vein. And I think Jungle Cruise is a good version of that. I would prefer to watch Jungle Cruise again to any of the pirate sequels. Outside of Dead Man's Chest, because Dead Man's Chest mm-hmm. is, I think, the best of the Pirates movies. Um, Wait, which one? Paul, came- Jungle Cruise Jungle Cruise came out in 2021. Right, right. But there's a movie that I would put above it that came out in 2020 that I yes, watched you in could, 2021. Yeah. You can take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm saying number three. If I couldn't do anything that came out in previously... Then Jungle Cruise would be my number two. You see how this? No, you see how? Okay, this. Oh, so okay. I mean, if you, if it came out in twenty twenty, that's fine. But if you're picking like something from nineteen seventy seven, like have you guys seen the Star Wars? Like that's my favorite movie of the year. Like no, but yeah, if it came out okay. tail end, <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get there. But uh, no, Jungle Cruise. Yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun, and I agree with the, your hypothesis and statement, Chris, that. Yes, it's a better Pirates sequel than most of the Pirates sequels. Paul, are you going to talk about Ted Lasso at all? (laughs) No, because we were talking about it last year. Didn't we? Didn't we? Didn't we? No. No? It's it's really good. Somebody should talk about Ted Lasso. Paul, I'm just confused now. Is Jungle Cruise your number three, or did you just want to shoehorn it in? No, it's my number three. Okay. No, it's my number three. Are you sure... So you like Jungle Cruise more than you like Ted Lasso season two? Yes. Okay. Season two, Get the fuck out. Of season two is not as fun as season one. You you reference the Christmas special in your yeah. yeah and remember the Christmas special Christmas thing was a not episode. It wasn't going to be part. Of the season at all, they wrote it as an extra episode. It's a standalone thing. Okay. okay. And I already talked about it in the Christmas episode. <laughs> I gave it a full ten minutes. It'll be a As you are wont to do in a holiday watch list bit. Um, okay, no, I... This wasn't even on kind of my short list of things to pick, but this was one of the movies that I was excited to go see in a movie theater. So I'm glad we did get a chance to talk about it, even though I I don't think it's absolutely knockout, but it is a better Pirates of the Caribbean movie than like the last three of those movies were. So John, school us, show us what should a number three pick for your favorite movie or show or stream thing for 2021 be? Uh, it should be Ted Lasso season two. <laughs> okay. uh, 
or if you get to watch season one and two in 2001, uh, it should be. And this is the uh, Jason Sudeikis uh, Apple show, which is uh, an American football coach brought to England to coach a Premier League football team that then gets busted down that is in the second-level soccer team. Uh, And it is a delight. Uh, Chris, we've mentioned it to you. Like, it is what we loved about Parks and Rec. It is so much heart. It is... It is funny. There is drama attached to it. And, like, there's a turn for one of the characters who's then going to be the villain in season three that is, like, <clears throat> it's heart-wrenching when they have that confrontation, mm-hmm. when they have the falling out between Ted Lasso and him. Like, <clears throat> it's one of those things that, like, when they started that turn, I turned to my wife and I was like, can you believe they're doing this to Nate? And she's like, she's like, I like, I know it's crazy. I'm like, I mean, he's, he's totally changing. I mean, look at his hair. And my wife's like, do you think that they're letting his hair go gray because he's turning evil? And then I'm like, yeah, I think that's it. Like it was, there's so much going on. There's, there's so much in this that. I had watched the entire series because I'd watched the first two episodes and said, I need to watch this with Caitlin. And Caitlin said she would watch it. And then three days went by. And then I watched the entire (laughs) two seasons. Then to rewatch them again with my wife as if I had never watched them because she would get mad at me if (laughs) she had known I had watched them all. But I couldn't wait around and not watch them. Mm -hmm. And then... I we got caught up and watched as the episodes came out and it's just it's great it'll be one of those shows that like Parks and Rec it's like I need to, I need a feel good show mm-hmm. I need a feel good moment we'll go back and watch this when my son was born and we were new parents and just needed stuff on when we mm-hmm. were there we rewatched Parks and Rec. We rewatched Psych. Like mm-hmm. it was just those things that we needed because we have those moments where we're both up at two in the morning because my wife's feeding him and I was there to help and get milk or get this or do this because you want to be a good partner. And it was like, I'm not getting back to sleep. Neither am I. Let's go watch an episode of Psych. Mm-hmm. And. It would be that, oh, I fell asleep during the episode. Did I miss anything? No, it's an episode <laughs> of Psych. Yeah. This is going to be an... This show is one of those mm-hmm. viewing pleasures. Chris, it's like you in the office. Like, it's just something that makes you feel good to watch it. And hands down, it'll be something that I will always think fondly of forever uh, I I feel like the need to defend myself because this is on my list of things to get into and watch because I know I'll like it just from not what I've heard about it but literally the people that I know and interact with that have told me like oh you should watch this because 
it's not just because it's people that I know and trust, but it's because it's people that I know share like the same values and morals and ethics that I have. So like, it's the same thing when someone I know and love told me like, Oh yeah, you were right about stranger things. And I was like, (laughs) what? And like, yeah, you told me to watch stranger things. Loved it. And I'm like, I haven't watched stranger things yet. And she was like, no, I'm pretty sure you told me to watch Stranger Things. <laughs> and it was at that point I was like, oh, I should probably watch Stranger Things. So Ted Lasso is kind of that. And I do want to circle back to the fact that it took me until the end of the first season to get into something like The Good Place. And then once I got back, got into it, I was along for a ride and like watched every episode as they were uh, debuting, premiering, streaming, and cried at the end of it. I'm okay with admitting it. Um, this is on my list of things to get to. I just need to. Um, I also want to circle back and say, love the fact that we've talked about Psych multiple times this episode. <laughs> I don't think Psych gets enough credit because that show is absolutely fantastic. <clears throat> I haven't watched the movie yet, though. I think I need to do that. Chris, Chris, you forget we were talking for oh, an hour right. and a half before that's right. Paul got on. We, we talked previous. Well, yeah, well so. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> Psych reference. Chris. Um, and you hit a pineapple in your it's, beer. It's somewhere, somewhere in my apartment. I actually don't have pineapple. I usually do have like canned pineapple or crushed pineapple in my refrigerator because I use it in a lot of cleans. <clears throat> One of those people I just love pineapple. Um, I am currently out of pineapple. Uh, I was watching uh, How to Drink. It's okay, a yeah, yeah. A YouTube, it's a YouTube show that Paul and I both enjoy, and it was a clip of him in like uh, the Florida Keys, mm-hmm. and he was drinking Rum Runners, and he had like a pint. He got it in oh, a yeah. pineapple because mm-hmm. the Rum Runner Rum Runner is huge in the island that he was staying at, and you can get it everywhere. But he got it in a pineapple, and he's like reviewing it, and he's like, "I shouldn't like it. It's really sweet, but it's delicious." But then he throws out the pineapple with, like, the big pineapple chunk sticking mm, out like well. he hadn't eaten it. And I was that's, like, that's whoa, 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 this guy's gone too far. That is edible pineapple that he should have baby, been eating. Fuck baby, you got yourself a pineapple go. <laughs> um, I, I, I put some beef ribs in a <laughs> stew today and thought of um, that. So I do want to say, but I... I have things to talk about, too, but, man, I'm just getting thrown a lot of sidebars. Um, if you ever <laughs> find yourself at the Disney's Polynesian Resort outside of Magic Kingdom, they have a drink served in a pineapple that's called the Lapu Lapu. And it's literally, like, three kinds of rum and pineapple juice and some other fruit juice. Uh, it's absolutely delicious. But part of the fun of getting that drink is after you finish it, you have, like, a whole pineapple in front of you. And then you just, like, ask for a spoon, and you start, like, chiseling away at the inside of it, because then you're like, yes, it's like rum-soaked pineapple. (laughs) It's not called 151 anymore. I don't remember what Picardi calls their, like, silver rum anymore. Um, It's 151 was their overproof, and they stopped selling that overproof. Uh, I don't know if they have a new one. It's like the, the new version of that, but yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Um, What's your number, number three? three? It's coming in at the, I'll do the research. It's coming in at the tail end of the year. Uh, this movie was actually released in theaters on Thanksgiving. Uh, November 
what, 24th. And then it was released on streaming at Disney Plus on Christmas Eve. And this is Disney's Encanto. Um, this movie hit me in a way that I did not foresee coming. And it was probably my favorite Disney animated film of the past year. And I really enjoyed Luca when they put that one out because I thought it was just a great, fun story of friendship and, you know, just overcoming differences and realizing who you are as a person. Loved it. But something about Encanto just, it hit at the right time. And I thought about just calling this one a, like, honorable mention and picking something else I could talk about. But now that it's available for free on Disney+, Plus, every single day I go into work, there's someone new being like, oh, hey, have you watched Encanto on Disney Plus yet? And then everyone else is like, oh, my gosh, yes, like this, 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 this song. Oh, my gosh, this character. And then the next day, someone else is coming and being like, oh, hey, guys, I watched this uh, Colombian Disney movie, Encanto. Have you heard of it? And it starts that conversation fresh and everyone is just so hyped and excited about it. And it's a Disney movie, so yeah, it's bright, it's fun, it's colorful. There's great songs in it by Lin-Manuel Miranda, but unlike other Disney movies, there's no like clear villain in the film. Uh, the villain in this movie is basically just generational pressure to live up to the promise of what they hoped you would be. And it's crazy that it's able to resonate with people and everyone on such a weird way. And if you haven't watched it yet, I highly, highly recommend it because I think this movie is going to go into the, the repertoire and like hallowed halls of Disney animated films that it just, it hits the right notes with everybody that watches it for a completely different reason. Do it. Watch it. If you haven't, Watch it. I've watched the beginning of it. Watched it with my son. He, I, I mean, and we got to the part where the little kid gets the his mm-hmm. door. Uh, and then he turned to me and said, Ghostbusters. And then we played Ghostbusters. And then my wife continued to watch more of it with him. And I got mad and stormed out of the room knowing that I they'd watched it without me. Man, and then she tried to then she tried to put it on from where they had left off, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Because I really enjoyed it and was looking forward to watching this movie. How dare she do uh, that? So then, when it's you almost start, like watching all of Ted Lasso, I pulled my I pulled my headphones out, and I was like, "Good." Uh, one of my favorite things about the uh, movie Encanto too is the fact that main character Mirabelle, like the second youngest of the madrigal family is voiced by stephanie beatrice who plays rosa on brooklyn 99 and she's like the complete polar opposite to who rosa diaz is and the fact that it's the same actress portraying both of these characters like blows my mind as like wow actors there's a great moment with the the cast of Reno nine one or Reno nine one one oh my god uh, Brooklyn nine 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 where they're being interviewed and they're like who's least like 
who's least like their character. And she pulls the microphone. And she's like, it would be me. And they're like, can you give us some rosin? She's like, no. And it was just like, there's shifts of those. And then she's like, acting. <laughs> she, she's amazing. And she, like, it's because of her portrayal as Rose. And then she's been in other stuff recently too. Um, didn't make my list, but the, uh, in the Heights adaptation that came out on HBO Max, I really dug that too. And she's in that. And you see that delineation between her as a person and as an actor to who Rosa is. And like, it's like, yeah, Mirabelle's such like a delight. Like, she she might be one of my favorite Disney characters now. If you haven't watched it yet, do it. It's still in the cultural zeitgeist, guys. It just came out on streaming like a week and a half ago. Like you can be in the conversation. On Christmas. Watch it. Talk to people about it. You can be the tastemaker. You can tell people to go watch this movie on Disney Plus and they'll thank you for it. Do it. It's amazing. Mm. I'm going to go with my number two because it's not in the cultural zeitgeist because it's been out for over a year. And this is one of the movies that kind of got lost uh, during the COVID. Uh, you know, what, what's it going to do? Is it going to come out in movie theaters? And then it became a Hulu original. And I didn't have Hulu back in 2020. I just picked it up recently to watch Why the Last Man. Hmm. Not making my list. Oh, okay. Whoop. Cross it off. <laughs> yeah. Uh and I'm going to go with uh, Palm Springs, the Adam Sandberg uh, helmed with, uh, what's her name, Kristen Milioti, uh the mother from How I Met Your Mother. Um, and it's a very fun, if you, I don't know, you guys want to see this movie? I have never heard of this movie. Oh, so. so tell it's me a more. Really, it's, it's a really fun time loop movie. It's better than Groundhog Day. And it's... It is much better. Oh, it is wow. much oh, better wow. than okay. Groundhog's Day. And they make ref- oh, yeah, they make reference to Groundhog Day in it. Yeah. Okay. And um, no, I thought it was really fun. I thought Adam Sandberg and Kristen Milioti were, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, uh, were charming together. I really loved her turn in it. It was surprising. And then what she decides to do was just brilliant and be like, Oh, I, I keep on living this day t- forever. I'll just study a way out. Like, I'll, this has to be some sort of weird thing. And she just starts taking classes online, starts emailing professors, like, questions, and just uh, figures a way out. I J.K. love J.K. Uh, Simmons. J.K. Simmons in this as, as a uh, guy that's also trapped in the same time loop that's pretty angry about it and then he has a great turn uh yeah it's just a a lot of fun it's a lot of fun it's definitely seems like a slacker comedy but there is heart to it there is the fun there is a lot of people having fun with the situation they're in go ahead uh so my question to you you've already said it's a better groundhog say which Mm -hmm. lures me as it is because that movie is awesome um but then you say slacker comedy. Would you say was it Palm Springs or Fifty mm-hmm. First Dates? Where does this fall in that? Like, oh, Palm Springs oh, better. Than 50 oh, first I, dates. I, I love Fifty First Dates. Like that's one of my. I, I like. It I don't want to. I never want to say guilty pleasure because personally, I feel like you should never feel guilty about anything 
that you love mm-hmm. and support. Like, but like Fifty First Dates is one of those movies that if you were to say like, oh, one of my favorite flicks, like people are like, really? Like, but it's I, it's such a good movie. Sean Astin in that movie, <laughs> hilarious as like the uh, uh, doped out. Uh, like growth hormone pumping, like bodybuilder brother, hilarious. See, we, Chris, you and I also have a weird connection with Fifty First Dates because, like, because you couldn't remember who you were, <laughs> and every single day I was trying to win you over, and then we became, became friends. friends. Yeah, exactly. But like when we lived in the apartment, you'd come home one day, and I had just started watching it, and you were like, "Oh yeah, I'll watch this movie," and then like you had messaged me. And we're like, I think it was when you're doing some type of training and you were in, you were in another state and you just texted me a picture of Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. And I texted you right back like, uh, I'm watching it, too. I'm watching it too. Like it just always been this weird connection that anytime it was on, we would say something to each other. So I think Fifty First States has an other weird connection that puts it in your like, I think positive about I th- this I think movie. the if anything, I think the weird connection is the fact that we just both love that movie. <laughs> but we're we're also like best friends, so it makes sense that we we it's like a stepbrothers moment. Did we just watch Fifty First Dates? Yep, are we best yep. friends? Yep, like it's, it's just defines who we are. Anyways. Uh, we got a, a bunch of other uh, Chris, stuff we watched Chris, this year. Chris, your number two. Uh, my number two is something of an outlier on this, and it's strictly dependent on other things that I watched that did not make my list because they're from a while ago. Um, and this is all based off the fact that this year at uh, Universal Studios, they had, at their Horror Night <laughs> celebration for Halloween, they had a Haunting of Hill House themed haunted house and i was unfamiliar with the franchise so we watched it in the lead up to us going to halloween horror nights and absolutely loved this netflix series and then after that we watched the pseudo sequel series the haunting of bly manor completely fell in love with that one too and then at that point it was announced that uh, creator and director mike flanagan had another series coming out on netflix which was Midnight Mass, which was his kind of most personal story about a small fishing town that has a religious reawakening. And getting into the show, it was kind of like, okay, it's, you know, a guy coming home after he's done wrong and he's trying to find his place in this old world that he used to know. And three episodes into it, I was like, uh, this isn't hitting those same notes that Hill House and Bly Manor did. But then episode number four completely flips the script. And it's at that point, I was absolutely hooked. And Midnight Mass is my number two because, goddamn, I did not know I needed a weird fishing town vampire Catholic uh, Is it story. angels? I think the town thinks it's angels. Uh, the town is, is it vampires? But the thing is, definitely vampires. It's definitely vampires. But and that's what got me about it because everyone is so yearning and wanting to have something special and something to believe in that you know this new 
uh, preacher shows up and he's like, I met an angel. He's here with me now that rational people are like, that's not an angel. That's a vampire. <laughs> you brought like Count Orlock <laughs> to town. Like that's Nosferatu. But everyone is just so pushing and wanting that vindication for their beliefs that they push all reason aside. And it's, that was the point that got me. I absolutely love the show. And as much as I loved Hill House and Bly Manor, Midnight Mass is what made me a Mike Flanagan fan that now I do want to go back and watch something like Dr. Sleep because I never saw that because I'm not a huge fan of The Shining, but he directed that. And I've heard it's decent. Even McGregor's in it, so... It's okay. If you don't, if you've never, if you haven't read Doctor Sleep the novel, you'll like it. But the book is ten not. times better than the movie, which and happens that, all the okay. time. That's fair with Stephen King books <laughs> to movie to TV shows, and that's fine. But I think the hook for me though is Mike Flanagan because. Stephen King, I can take him or leave him. I have stuff that I like, and it's more for that adaptation. I don't have, like, a Stephen King book that I'm like, yes, that's like, I like more the adaptations because those are my gateway into his world, and the stuff that I have read doesn't live up to it. But I like Mike Flanagan's style. I like his visual flair. He gives a lot of characters big, long monologues where it's just them talking about something for five minutes on screen. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm checking my watch. Like, okay, this character's still talking. But there's enough good stuff around it that that doesn't completely take me out of it. But I I want to dip my toes and see what I miss because I want to go back and watch something like Hush or Oculus because I know I'm going to wind up enjoying it just because of the choices he makes as a director, the stories he wants to tell as a director, and the fact that he's kind of following that anthology storytelling method where he has a core group of actors that he works with, he knows he can get what he wants out of them, and they know enough to trust him because he's telling the story and they want to be a part of it. He's someone I'm going to be watching for years to come now. Uh, Oculus is a good... I wouldn't say bad horror movie, but it's a good so-so horror movie. Like it, 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 it knows what it's supposed to be, and if you go in knowing it's not like the greatest movie ever made, it works. It's good. Uh, Haunting of Hill House, fucking fantastic. Blind, Blind Manor, again, like totally. What? Totally different horror Completely story. different, but it, it hits similar notes, but in a different way that I came out of that with more of an emotional response. But I'm just champing at the bit to go back and rewatch Hill House now because that family goes through so oh, much. Yeah. And I love all of those characters in such different ways. And everyone has so much depth in it and... Per- perfect show if you like you know pseudo horror because there's a couple jump scares but it's more just dealing with family drama uh watch that too because man 
amazing. But I've, I've talked enough about like and, four and, shows because and, I, I managed to whitt- like whittle them in there. And Midnight Mass was was is really great too, and it still has there's some type of integrity that goes through all three of these series of of, of his series. They look great, great acting, and great story. So. Yeah, they're all different, but there's a through line that you can tell. Like, if you like one of them, there's going to be something that you can draw from each one of them that you'll latch on to. And uh, I think he nails it in each one. And when I saw the trailer for this and knew it was these guys, because they were were planning on continuing to do a haunted story. And when they finished with Blind Manor, they were like, we don't want to do the haunted house thing or ghosts anymore. We want to do something different. And they did this. And when I watched it, it reminded me of Stephen King's needful things. When this guy comes to town and he's the devil and he's selling everybody their want and desire that I was like, Oh, okay. This looks like needful things meets, um, What's the uh, David Lynch, a small town um, from the 90 Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Okay. So I was like, oh, it's that. And then when I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm turning and looking and there's no one there because no one in my house would watch that with me. I'm like, is this, is this vampires? Are they telling me vampires? And then when it's vampires, I'm like. Hey, it's vampires, guys. But you're you're like it's vampires, guys. But like everyone in town's it's like, an angel. Oh, boy, it's an angel. It's an angel. It's that, that angel's drinking blood in like a weird, creepy, abandoned <laughs> house on down the street. Like, no, uh, it's not. It's it's amazing. This, uh, yes, it is. Uh, I really liked it. It was one of those late night. Oh, Caitlin went to bed. I can watch. This episode, I'm going to watch half of it on my lunch break, finish it when I'm laying in bed before I go to go to sleep. Like, it was so broken up on how I watched it that I thought of this but didn't have that, like, event kind of viewing because it was – I was piecing it together to watch it. But I'm glad you mentioned it because it, it was really – it was great. <clears throat> so, Paul – with your science, I I take it you haven't watched Midnight Mass. I haven't watched. So it, what, what? But I am interested in uh, Paul, seeing if there is a political satire um, within it. I, I would say there's no political satire, but as someone who used to be an altar boy, I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. get into it because the main character is someone that used to be an altar boy, and they're like the only church on this island, um, and then comes back to it with a new way of looking at things that might not necessarily mesh with how the rest of the island still looks at things. Hmm. No, because all I hear is small town, uh, kind of maybe down on its luck, like economic prosperity hasn't been that great. A, uh, a preacher comes in and says, Hey, this guy's good. AKA the religious right says, Hey, no, we're, we're in with this guy. Uh, he's an angel. But he's a pussy grabbing devil. No, no, he's that's a the, blood that's sucking all I'm vampire. 
it, oh, it's it's not I'm sorry. it's not political as much it's, as is like religious commentary where like mm-hmm. belief is one thing but faith is another like mm-hmm. you, and you need to find like the line between those things and realize what the world is asking of you when you're looking at those lines but Paul what's your number two <laughs> Uh, I already gave my number two. Sorry, right. I'm bad at numbers. What was your number two? Palm Springs. It was... Uh, Sean, your uh, number two. Uh, my num- I have them written down. I just don't read or remember things. Uh, my number two is the one movie uh, on on my list, um, and that is the action movie starring Bob Odenkirk of Nobody. Uh, mm-hmm. this, it, I... I always, whenever I do lists like this, I say to my wife, "What were your top movies?" And she listed like Spider Man, and she listed, um, I think I mentioned Ted Lasso, and she said, "Oh yeah, Ted Lasso." She mentioned something else, and then I said, "Oh, what about Nobody?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, hundred percent Nobody." And Nobody, action movie starring Bob Odenkirk, the comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's kind of the schlub guy, his house gets broken into, and he has this moment of a, he breaks, and all hell breaks loose because he brings back the old ways. He's a CIA accountant where if you screw up, he comes and cleans up the mess. So he is basically a government hitman. And... He starts a feud with the Russian mob and has an amazing turn to become a heavy. And this movie's great, not only because it has some just great action scenes to it, but Mm -hmm. Christopher Lloyd stars and plays Bob Odenkirk's father in it. In a retirement home. Hmm. But in an interview after this movie came out, listening to it with Christopher Reeves, or Christopher Lloyd, sorry. uh, He -hmm. says, it is the most fun I've had in film in years, and I hope I live long enough to do it again in the sequel. (laughs) And you can see on Christopher Lloyd's face when he's using shotguns to blow people away, that Christopher Lloyd is having a ball playing this character. Mm-hmm. I watched this. I watched it once. My wife was like, oh, I can't believe you watched that without me. And I was like, well, you don't like movies like that. And she's like, no, I wanted to see it. We watched it together. And she was like, that was really good. Why don't they make more movies like this? And I was like, because uh, these movies come around once in a while. Mm-hmm. I'm... St- I'm home alone. I don't have to take care of a kid. I don't have my wife. I need to find something to watch. I'm scrolling through stuff, and I'm like, I could just watch Nobody again, right? And it's one of those movies that I keep going like, well, I could I could put that on again, right? I could just put it on in the background when I'm just sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies that I just keep wanting to be like, well, it's like a perfect movie. It's... Something that I can just sit 
and enjoy and watch. And there's so few of those, you know, like I love, I love big trouble in little China. It's one of my favorite movies. It's a movie I can put on, watch the first 20 minutes, get up, go into the other room, vacuum a room, come back. Or it's a sick day movie. I'm sick as a dog. I pass out. I wake up and halfway through, nobody is one of those movies. You can watch the first 15 minutes, walk out of the room, come back, action galore, watch it all. He's breaking somebody's neck and you're like, oh, oh, I got to go. I got to go throw that in the oven. Go throw it in the oven. Like you can walk in and out of this movie or you're flipping through the channels and all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're going to storm the house. Oh, I got to watch this part. Like, it is just great. I feel bad because this is something that I did not get a chance to see, but I definitely wanted to. And I'm glad it came out because this is the movie that saved Bob Odenkirk's <laughs> life. Because uh, after it had come out, he had like a massive heart attack. And he said like, if I hadn't trained to do nobody, like that heart attack probably would have killed me. Uh, so I guess I'm thankful for this movie and I owe it that debt of gratitude because it did look awesome. And I'm not even a better call Saul or breaking bad fan. Uh, I literally just know Bob Odenkirk from Mr. Show, which thank you for, (laughs) for that, Sean. Um, but this is, again, on my list. Uh, it fell off of my list because I forgot this movie came out this year. But I literally, I'm writing down everything we're talking about just so I can circle back to stuff. So, yeah. Good pick. Yeah. Uh, 100%, Chris. Right. Rent it, whatever you need to do. Watch. It's not streaming anywhere right now, which is kind of upsetting because you can only pay to stream it for like $15. And that's just like... A little bit more than I would want to pay for, like, watching a movie at I home right now. I imagine you can find it for cheaper, just a DVD, and you'll love, you'll, you'll be happy to have it because it's great. But, so wrapping us up, uh, John, you went last. What was your number one uh, for my this number one? one? Is actually my favorite of the Marvel Disney Plus shows, and it is Loki. Oh, wow, okay. I I really love this show. Chris and I did a um did a uh movie fix on movie it. Movie fix. Um which we actually probably should have called the uh streaming fix cuz we did more streaming shows. Uh Yeah. I I loved Loki start to finish. Um I really Paul made a W at me for WandaVision. I loved Mm -hmm. WandaVision. I really liked it. Towards the end, there was kind of a turn where it was like, "Eh, it's not as good as it was in the beginning when they were doing all the, the, the Mm series, you know, the, the, the decades of TV shows. But Loki just had it from start to finish for me. I loved one Tom Hiddleston. There's just something so charming about, everything that he does in it and this was a great loki show it it was what everybody's been clamoring for 
a Tom Hiddleston-led project in the Marvel Universe as Loki. <laughs> but you had those great moments. And even this, the, the finale between him, female Loki, uh, Kang, like... Well, the man who remains. Everything remains. just worked well. And then the finale of... Is he? He's going to be doing something with the time cops. Like everything about this just worked. And out of everything that I'd watched this year, this was the one thing that I just really couldn't wait for the next episode for. And uh, that's my number one. This is on. If we had done like maybe a top five. This would have been my pick because this is my favorite of the Marvel shows. It's not my favorite Marvel property of the year, but coming out of all the Marvel shows, I really enjoyed them all. And I had to kind of think to myself, which ones did I like the most? And unfortunately, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as much as I loved it, was kind of my least favorite because that's the one that... Nothing against it, because I think Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie completely nailed those characters and what I wanted from that show. But it's the one that felt the most like it just belonged in the universe. And even though it ended with uh, Sam Wilson stepping into the role of Captain America from the Falcon, it didn't feel like it was setting up a lot. It could have... Loki... It could have been just a two-hour movie. It didn't need to be a show. But the rest of the shows loved them. But Loki's the one that most felt like it was having those repercussions on what was going to be happening next and had some sort of gravity to it. And everything else you've said is completely true because Tom Hiddleston, we already knew he was fabulous and fantastic in the role of Loki. Uh, I didn't expect to love Mobius as much <laughs> as I did, but I should have expected that really going into it with Owen Wilson in that role. But I was coming around to everybody else at the end of that. And then Jonathan Majors as Kang or he who remains at the end of all things. <laughs> That singular episode felt like the most important like part and piece of the Disney Plus MCU shows. Like, if somebody had to ask, hey, I just got Disney Plus, I haven't watched anything else that's coming out, what should I, what one episode should I watch to, like, know what's going to be coming next in the MCU? It would be that episode with Loki and Sylvie in his fortress, castle, whatever you want to call it, at the end of time, because it has such weight and, like, gravitas. Like, again, not my favorite Marvel thing, but my favorite Marvel show. Paul, you, you've been uh, looking like you got things to add into. Well, yeah, with uh, it was tough for me because I didn't want to put Loki and WandaVision and Hawkeye all on this list because then that would be the list. So I'm like, okay, which which one am I going to pick? And I, I 
going to pick WandaVision, but I, to talk about Loki for a second, I think Loki, you're right, does more than just do some moving around of the chess pieces to get them to their next movie or to the next time we see them. Um, you know, more so than just explaining costume changes and all that jazz. Um, I think there's setups in that scene with the he who remains and why he's different than Kang. You know, I think there's, you're, we're going to see how, what the differences are. And also there's things that he says, Oh, he's just crossed the door now. I, I, I love that moment. And it's like, I hope that pays off someplace else, sometime else. Because people keep on, like, online with their theories are like, oh, that's when so-and-so, you know, this happens, or that's when the the eternal thing happens, or that's when, you know, this is actually happening. And it's like, well, we don't know. And it will, I, I really hope that when it's called out, it will be obvious to everybody that's what he was referring to, that he has crossed the doorway now or something uh, like that. Even, um, I mean, it could be... Peter Parker walking into the Sanctum Simtora. Yeah. It's that kind of stuff where I'm like, no, I want it to be called out. I want it to be obvious. I want it to be as obvious as when they do the weird stuff with in Hawkeye where they just replay parts of the movie <laughs> <coughs> to explain why he's lost his hearing. Like, that's how obvious I want it to be. Because <clears throat> I want it to be... Because it's like, it's such a Oh, sorry. No, I'm coughing. It's such a fun line that could be a throwaway line, but I hope it's bigger than that and they're going to build on it because, I don't know, that's what the kind of fun... If you're telling a time story, I kind of like those, you know, (coughs) those chestnuts that grow into a chest, a full uh, Yeah, and when Jonathan Majors was cast, we, before Loki, he was... It was said that he was cast in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantum, Quantumanium, as as mm-hmm. Kang. And I was like, oh, man, this is great because he can play evil. He can play charming. He can play the hero. And then when we get him, he's playing weird and crazy. And it works. Mm-hmm. And when he played weird and crazy, I was like, oh, my God, like. Jonathan Majors is a phenomenal actor because in um, uh, oh, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, Country, he plays the stoic hero, and he does it so well that I was like, man, I really like him. And then I watched another movie where it's these two brothers who are trying to get this girl across country to get this payday but they're bare boxing through a thing it's not a great movie but jonathan majors plays the devil he plays one of the most evil characters and he plays it by just simple looks nods and slight intimidation throughout the whole thing that you're Mm. like this guy's the most evil person I've ever seen on screen. But last week I saw him play the stoic hero in Lovecraft Country. And now he's playing evil, uh, creepy and weird. Like, 
he's phenomenal for this character, much like why I like the Kang series is there's so many sides to Kang and he can do it. And I just wanted to say that about Jonathan Majors. So Paul, do you want to give two uh, house, house cleaning uh, kind of uh, notes here? It has Ooh. started snowing. <laughs> it is 1127. It has started snowing pretty good. And Bacardi 151 stopped being sold back in 2016 because it was just so darn flammable. <laughs> <laughs> you said like, I, I, I should have taken the drink when you were going to say that, but I didn't know it was going to be such a comedic line. I, I did. Uh, I, yeah, I knew it was strong, but I didn't know that was the reason why it had been uh, discontinued. But yeah, we had all. Uh, this is from the Picardy website. We had already taken the first precaution when we started selling our 151 bottles with a metal flame per- protector built into the lid. Yes, all bottles of 151 proof alcohol are actually 75.75% ABV are well known for their flammable qualities. So Interesting. We're sure you can guess how this that situation escalated. So... so Speaking about escalating, Paul, you had already kind of teased your uh, your next pick. So why don't you get into uh, what you have as your... Okay. So how I was saying that Loki, you know, in that one scene, a lot of fun, like, oh, they could build on that one question. WandaVision was just a series built on question after question after question. And yes, I do agree that at the very last episode... Like things, you know, it becomes just a purple versus uh, reddish color battle, you know, battle and flying around. Gr- green and red versus white vision. Yeah. And even then it's like, yeah. I give you all my memories. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta figure out who I am. Am I... <laughs> Am I the Cleveland Browns or am I the Baltimore Ravens? We're not doing that. I don't talk know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. Just again it out there. So. <laughs> yep. But where the series it started off with a we're going to be it was the first one too first of the new Marvel series everybody was talking about it there was a bunch of theories it was a lot of fun to talk about. I was so happy that it was weekly, not just all dumped at once, because everybody's anticipation for the next episode was building. Everybody, we were talking about it. Our super friend of the show, Greg, was talking about it with us. Uh, we were all in. It was, and it, it was an event, and it was one of the first things, one of the one of the first series uh, for Disney Plus that was an event. Um, even more so than I think the Mandalorian, which was. Fun action, but I wasn't like, oh, I gotta see what happens next so I can talk about, oh, whether this theory is true or not, or what's happening here. Uh, yeah, so that's why WandaVision is my pick for num- my, my number one. I absolutely love WandaVision, and I think WandaVision is the one that kind of feels the most personal because these are two characters, Wanda and Vision, that people kind of came to love through the Marvel movies, 
but they never had enough time to focus on who they were and who they were together. So finally getting the show, I think a lot of fans were excited because it's like, yes, now we get to see who they are, like outside of like the big battle scenes where they can just like have a look at each other. And then people will be like, Oh yes, because you know, in the comic books, they're a thing. Like it felt so much of their relationship had been reduced to like Easter egg videos on YouTube that they didn't actually have a real relationship in the movies outside of, you know, vision trying to keep her sequestered in civil war with like, Maping Paprikash, whatever that is, I don't know. Yeah. And also in uh, the very beginning of Infinity War, yeah. where they're like, in uh, the deep fryer kebab, you know, you get that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are super excited for the show, and I think it started off in such a weird way that it turned off a lot of people. But if you were able to realize what the show was doing and stick with it and learn and grow with the show, because at that point, you're basically vision. Like, you're learning what's happening alongside him. And just how the story became such a metaphor for grief and how you deal with it and blocking it out and ignoring it. It's just not the way to handle things. Mm-hmm. Because if you keep doing that, it's just going to grow and burst and wind up enslaving an entire Hurting town. everybody around you. Like, yeah. I think this show is probably my number two for the MCU shows that we got. And this is also the one that when I saw it had come out this year, it didn't feel right because I'm like, no, like that show had so much time to rue and grow that it had to come out more than a year ago. But no. And I think like you said, it's because they didn't just dump it. They released it slowly and methodically and, you have to be there to watch things as they played out. Uh, WandaVision, I think, is the most like cliffhangery of the MCU shows mm-hmm. because after each one, like you're not just excited to see the next one; you have to see the next one. Yeah, um, and I I absolutely loved it. That's it's my number two MCU show, which is hard because I really dug Hawkeye and. I was really close to calling that my favorite of the shows because I think it does what it does so well, but also I have to look at them as the, well, what does this add to the universe? And I think both Loki and WandaVision added more to the universe in the terms of like repercussions, not just like, Oh, we, we got Kate Bishop now, which is cool. Love her. Yelena knows what's up and that's cool. Love her. But, I think as much as I liked uh, Hawkeye, it's kind of on the Falcon and Winter Soldier side of things where it's like, yeah, it's a great next chapter, but it doesn't really knock it out of the park for getting it amped up. It just moving. I don't, John, did you say like moving chess pieces around? I think, or is that Paul? Paul? Okay. I think I did. Yeah. It, it does that. It does it really well, but it just does that. Yeah. I, I WandaVision is my number two as well. I mean, it's Loki, WandaVision, Hawkeye, and then and then Falcon and Winter Soldier because it mm-hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier, the story start to finish didn't need to be as long as it it was. And yeah, it's great you had some extra moments with it, 
But it could have been just a two-hour movie. It didn't need to be where it was. And it didn't have anything big to it. And Hawkeye, yeah, it didn't have anything big to it. But it just did it. It felt right, though. And that's why I really liked it. Because everything about it It just did it better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I do feel like Hawkeye, like, there were a couple episodes where I'm like, oh, like, episode two, I'm like, the plot didn't actually move forward much at all. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it kind of suffered every once in a while with that, but then it got and going. And WandaVision came out January 15th, and it's January 5th right mm-hmm. now, like... Yeah, it was a full. Yeah. It was a full year ago that that came out. Uh, my my number one though is definitely going to fit into the same vein as mm. WandaVision and Loki because that's going to be Spider Man No Way Home because this is also dealing with that big crazy multiverse where it's finding a way to kind of deal with it, but being an actual movie, it has the ability to go more big budget where it can have the different Spider-Man popping out. Because, yeah, you know what? We can talk about it now. This movie's been out for over a month now. We can say, like, yeah, everything we heard about it, everything that was rumored, did wind up coming true. And that's part of why it became my favorite. Because I was excited for this movie no matter what happened. If Andrew and Toby were in it, cool. If they weren't, that's fine, too, because I was just excited to see the next Marvel Universe movie and the next Spider-Man movie. And this actually became a real Spider-Man movie because this hit all those notes that people had kind of been crying and calling for because we never had that great power, great responsibility moment. We never had that loss of Uncle Ben. And we applauded the Spider-Man movies for not doing that because we had seen them so many times before that if it had just done it again, it would have felt cliche. It would have felt forced because it would have just been a box that they had to check mark to be like, yeah, we got to set the tables just so we can tell the story. The previous two Spider-Man movies didn't do that because they focused more on Peter Parker and who he was in this universe. And it took him being in Far From Home, Homecoming, Infinity War, and Games of War. Five movies for them to finally be like, okay, you know who he is. You care about him. Now we're going to pull that rug out from underneath him. And he's going to learn that lesson. Because we all assumed he had learned that lesson when Tony sacrificed himself. No, we didn't. Because I think that Aunt May loss and that commiserating with, you know, the other two Spider-Men to be like, yeah, no, like to be Spider-Man is to no loss and you gotta kind of come through it was the moment that we had been waiting for. And if we had gotten like the diluted version of that in any of the other Spider-Man movies or Civil War, it's, it still would have felt just like a thing that they needed to just do to move along. And the other thing I really enjoyed about this is even though we all knew what was coming and what to expect from it, much like in the way we had Infinity War and Endgame, where it was that big universe-sweeping epic, 
we had that happen here with those multiple Spider-Man and multiple villains, but it was still able to pull it off in a way that worked that it shouldn't have because we've spent months now talking about how we don't care about Morbius or Venom because those movies just seem so like callow and cash grabby. But Sony basically did the same thing here with bringing in Toby and Andrew, but working with Marvel did it in a way that worked. Like, well, it, it mattered. The only reason in why it worked is because Marvel was part of it. If Sony yeah. had done this and done it on their own, it would be awful. Look at everything and- else they've done prior to this. <laughs> so, like, side conversation. Like, as soon as I saw the movie that night, John sent me a text message like, so, you know, how much are the other Spider-Man in it? And it was like, they're actually in it for a good amount. And you would expect this movie to kind of be that thing, like, they come in tail end of the third act. But they introduce them in such a way maybe halfway or three quarters of the way through that they still have time to be there and show who they are and grow and add to the story that it doesn't just feel like, you know, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield were there for like one day on set that they filmed their parts and then they dipped out after getting their checks. Like everything in this movie seems like it had been thought out and planned and they wanted to do it in the best way possible which I'm incredibly thankful for because so much could have gone wrong. And also Andrew Garfield reminded everyone that he loves Spider-Man. He was a great Peter Parker and Spider-Man. He just Mm. was stuck in awful movies. Yeah. Not true. Uh, Yeah. Because he brought heart and soul to that character where, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was great to see Toby again. But Toby just, he he showed up. He was there. He got his money. He had his lines. But Garfield, Garfield was like, I'm going to get another Spider-Man movie out of this. And hopefully I can work with these Marvel guys. (laughs) Uh, And he he was great. He almost stole the show. Uh... Yeah, it. This movie had an emotional resonance that I wasn't expecting, and I knew Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire were in it. And when those portals open and they walk in, for some reason, I have teary eyes, and it's hitting me emotionally that I wasn't expecting. And on that rooftop, when they have that. Mine was Gwen. I couldn't save her. Uncle Ben. Like, they have those moments. Again, I'm like, I should, I, why, why am I do, why am I doing this? It, Because you didn't have a three-year-old walking in front of you crying? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it just was like, it, it was, it, it hit me in a way. And I was like, I know these things happen in it. I know, I know what's going to happen. And it's, it's hitting me. And, uh, yeah, it, this was great. I knew somebody would pick this, namely 
Chris, I, I thought you would put it, so I didn't need to put it on my list. Uh, but no, this, I mean, there's a reason, there's a reason I've only seen three movies in the movie theaters, and they're Marvel movies. And there's a reason this movie's made a billion dollars. Like, it's it's got it. <laughs> it's got it. It's got it, boys. And is that it for the show we've been recording for? Uh, no. I know we were we going to do our beer, beer right? This should be pretty quick. Uh, my okay. my yeah. number three from Big Ditch Brewing is their Paisley Pocket, an IPL. Uh, Indian Pale Lager. Normally, these beers don't do anything for me, but this beer hit it out of the park for me. Uh, I loved it. I gave it a 4.75. Like, I thought it was delicious. I bought this beer two other times. I don't buy beer in multiple fashion like that. It just doesn't happen. I work in a beer store. I sell beer. Every week I have new beers to bring home and drink. This IPL I bought twice. Two two more times than I did. So three times total. Uh, do you want to do your number two and your number one? Because I don't think I don't think Paul has anything. No. I could go with stuff, but uh, it'd be real quick. Yeah, my number two is gonna be a Dunkel from uh, Von Trapp Brewing out of Vermont, uh, part of the famous Von Trapp family. That uh, okay? I wanted to make a reference, but I was like, "We're going to wrap it up." They're going on fifteen, yeah. going on sixteen. Uh, that family, their descendants, started a brewery. They brew all German and uh, European style uh, beers, and they made a Dunkel that was absolutely. Delicious. Uh, when we started carrying their brewery, I picked up their variety pack. I added a couple other of their breweries that I was like, beers that I thought, oh, they're good. Um, I was really excited for their Pilsner. Their Pilsner was okay. It was actually my least favorite of this package. I had their Hell's Lager. I was like, man, that's good. I had their Vienna Lager. I was like, man, that's even better. I saved this Dunkel for last and I grabbed it. And I opened it up while I was doing laundry, and I took a sip, and I went, holy shit, what is this beer? Phenomenal. Uh, roasty chocolatiness. It was just such an amazing drinking beer. Summertime came around. The variety pack has the Kolsch in it. I've been waiting for months now to get this Dunkel back in the variety pack. So I can buy the variety pack again. Because I want this beer. Uh, absolutely delicious. If you can find it in your area, pick up uh, the Von Trapp variety pack. Because the beers are all really good. But check out this Dunkel. Because it is a sleeper. It is a surprise hit. And then uh, my number one is a beer that I had with Chris Roy. Uh Right off the plane in Orlando, picks me up, takes me to Ellipsis Brewery. And I had a beer called Melon Party. Melon Party almost made my list, but I picked a different Ellipsis one. But uh, I can still taste the melon burps after this beer. Uh, 
It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, we had gotten a flight when we were there. Chris and I both got this beer and thought it was amazing. And when I told the the bartender, like, this is amazing. I love it. I'm savoring every moment of it. When I almost finished it, she grabbed it and refilled it for me and gave it back to me. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I, got, I got more. I got more. <laughs> this is fantastic. Uh it was absolutely delicious. It was every single melon you could think of, uh, and it tasted like every single melon. It was uh, phenomenal, and it was great that it was a beer that I that Chris shared with me and uh, that I got to have sitting next to my buddy in a bar. No offense, Paul. Uh Paul, I haven't Paul, been in a bar in two years. Uh, when you come down here in a couple uh, months, you and I have had a couple beers together, uh, all good, but no melon party good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no melon party. Uh, well, not uh, at yeah. a bar. We, we've been to a bar once together in the last two years. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that life. Um, <laughs> uh I'm going to start off with my number three because my number two is going to be from Ellipsis. But my number three coming from Gatlin Hall Brewing, this is their Death by Decadence. And this was an Imperial uh, double pastry stout. And the version of it I had was actually brewed with Chipotle peppers. And normally if I see peppers in a sweet stout, I'm kind of apprehensive about it because they tend to throw more peppers in than I'd like. I like a little bit of like nice spiciness chasing that sweet. And that's exactly what Gatlin Hall like wound up pulling off. This is a brewery that just opened this past year with their uh, beer hall, which has long games to play. They have like a huge bar. They do trivia like two or three nights out of the week. Uh, they have three stalls that you can get food from. There's a burger place, a wood fire uh, pizza place, and a poke bowl place. They do great beer, and I was actually surprised at just how good this place was because it just popped up like 15 minutes down the road for me, and everything I've had from there has been really good. But when I went back to look at my top beers for the year, I was like, oh my gosh, like out of the like five out of five beers I have this year, my number one was KBS from Founders because obviously that beer is great. But then the next one I had after KBS was actually the Death by Decadence. And I I stand by it. Like, this is a place that every time I've gone there since this first visit, they've had a bunch of other new stuff that they've brewed that it's always worth checking out because I've been pleasantly surprised each time. So, uh, Paul, when you come down, we'll definitely stop by there to, like, grab nice. a couple flights because it's just a great atmosphere, great beer. And then... Again, something we talked about in our, like, hey, what makes a great brewery visit? Good, different food to get. Like, when was the last time you went to a brewery and you're like, ah, yes, let me get the uh, the tuna bowl. Like, it's bizarre, but mm-hmm. they do it. And it's actually really good. Uh, my number two beer from Ellipsis Brewing. Uh, this is their Fruit by the which is a smoothie line that they do of beers brewed with uh, different fruits and things added to it. And this is their wild berries and peanuts. And I had this the next time that it had actually gone to the brewery after you had visited with us. 
Uh, and it literally tastes like a liquid peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And Yanni and I had spent a good deal of time at the brewery. And it just happened to be that we were sitting next to like one of their head brewers while we were at the bar, uh, petting his dogs, like joking around about stuff, talking about beer and just chatting with them. He stepped away for a moment and then he came back with a four pack of beer that he himself had hand selected for us because uh, we had talked about how Yanni likes IPAs, but she doesn't like IPAs. So he hand selected <laughs> an IPA for her to take home. Uh, there was a can of this for us to bring with us, as well as a sour and another hazy IPA. Um, it was just a great visit and made even better by the next time that we had stopped in, like maybe a month later. We sat down at the bar and it was the same bartender who was there at that time, who was also the same bartender that we had seen when <laughs> you were here, John, uh, that like came over to us and was like, hey, how are you guys doing? And we're like, oh, yeah, good. And she's like, you were here last month, right? And we're like, we were. like, And it was just that recognition and that like, hey, yeah, like we know you guys. What's up? Like, how you been? Like, it just made it feel right going back. It's there. very rare you have a Buffalo connection with people. And it feels like yeah. you, when you have those weird little connections, they're always going to kind of remember you. I still remember, like, but, we were, I was in Germany, walked into a craft beer bar, which there aren't many in Germany. And I started talking to the guy wearing a Buffalo Bills hat. And I was like, hey, uh, it's an interesting hat. Yeah, I'm from Toronto. I love the Bills. And I'm like, what are you doing in Germany? And he starts talking to me. And I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm from Buffalo. I'm from Buffalo. It's like, oh, how'd you find this place? It's like craft beer bar in Germany. He's like, yeah, there's not a lot of us. But yeah, there's those, you, you get those weird connections. Uh, plus, it feels uh, right. Same trip. I'm in Belgium uh, talking to people, and the guy says he's from New York. And I was like, oh, where in New York? He's like, Tonawanda. I'm like, oh, I, I live in North Tonawanda. <laughs> Very small yeah. world. Uh, but my number one coming from Sideward Brewing, and this was their Demons, which was something that they brewed and bottled specially um, for Orlando's Craft Beer Week. And this was a blended barrel-aged version of their barley wine with a barrel-aged version of their imperial stout. Um, they would only serve it to you in, like, a thimble-sized glass. Like, if you got, like, a your typical taster pour from a flight, it would maybe be, like, half of that. Because this was sitting at, like, 12% ABV. But, oh my gosh, this was a knockout. I went there during the day that they had released it during Orlando Beer Week just to, like, try to try it. And it was amazingly good. And then, randomly, one day, we went by just to grab lunch and get, like, a couple beers to go. And they had it still. So, I was like, yes, demons, please. Like, fuck me up. Like, I beg you. Um, this is absolutely fantastic. They do bottle their barley wine from time to time. Um, it's the Take the Black, so it's a Game of Thrones reference, so right off the bat, like, it gets the nerd cred. And then their uh, Imperial Stout is their Probably Nobody, which is their Candy Bar Stout. 
So it's chocolate, vanilla, peanuts, and coconut. Um, both these beers on their own are fantastic, but man, you blend them together and it's just right. It's a pillow of deliciousness. So, uh, those are my three favorite beers from the year outside of stuff that, you know, you just go back to and drink because you wind up loving it. Paul, you have anything you uh, want to, uh, just bring on, up or mention? Yeah, on your number five or your number one there, Chris, uh, just, so, just so you know, Demons was my five out of five beer on our trip and the only one I picked a five out of five for the year. It was phenomenal. I loved it. I thought it was great. But I wanted to pick one beer that I'd had down there because I was like, oh, maybe things are elevated because I was with Chris and we were drinking. No, it's just that good. And Melon Party was just, it was just that thing that I just, we had a, again, we had a great experience at the brewery. I still remember the French onion dip that uh, we had at uh, Sidewards. Um, but Demons was the thing that I vote I put as the best beer that I had in 2021. Well, next next time you come down, um, Cyber's still doing what they do, but also Ellipsis. Just craft popcorn now. They have like eight flavors, and they're all delicious. They had that when we were down there. I don't like. Did they? We didn't do it. I don't, I don't think. I don't like popcorn. No, you're wrong. Paul, go ahead. Wrap us up, buddy. I like popcorn. Uh, my number three will be from Rock Brewing Company. I was I had this beer. It's a black IPA style. Or, yeah, dark IPA style. Um, I don't remember the name of it. I tried to look it up on Untapped. It's not something. Don't you mean available. from Community Beer Works, the beer that sank Atlantis? No, because I didn't have that beer. Yeah, you did. Did I? Yeah. When? Did you give me a bottle? Or no, you can't. You bought it. I bought it. You gave me a can to give to Chris. <laughs> oh. Okay. And I know I had it. I don't really. So somebody got I, it. I don't remember it. But I remember Any... going on my honeymoon, or not my honeymoon, my anniversary, where we were at uh, Rock Brewing uh, to eat the LFX uh, wienery, the hot dogs there, and also to pick up some beer. Uh, I had a black, their German style black IPA. It's got a weird German name to it. It was really good. It, it made me miss drinking black IPAs again. Um, number two would be my re, uh, would be actually really diving more into the specialty releases, the seasonal releases of Athletic Brewing Company. Talked about that already on the show this episode, so I'm not going to get more into that. Don't buy their seltzer. <laughs> It's too expensive. It's just seltzer. Um, but try the other seasonals. They're, they've been pretty good all year. Uh, and then my number one would be the re, reigniting my love of just the East Coast, or no, the West Coast, the other coast IPAs. Uh, getting too hearted again. Drinking Sierra Nevada IPA. Uh, they just, you know are great. I've been enjoying them. They're perfect for taking out the disc golf course. It's then that would be my uh, number one. That that rekindling. Uh, I I did that with Chris when we were down there, and I was like, I'm really into loggers and pilsners, and he was like, Okay, I'll jo- I'll join you on this this uh, venture. 
A runner, a uh, runner up is when I, we were at a bar together. We were at a brewery together, John, and there was the drag queens. Yes. <laughs> uh, I had the Ecto Cooler uh, beer. That wasn't good. But the people pills, the people eater pills that you got, uh, John. That I got because I'm into really pilsners good. and lagers. Uh-huh. Uh, made me. Th- I took a sip of that, and I'm like, I'm not sure which one John got. I'm just going to order all their pills, <laughs> and just took home. <laughs> he ordered pack. every pilsner or lager that was on that a four pack and took with them. Uh, mm-hmm. There was he only three. I was standing next to him. He could, yeah, but I wanted them all. He just wanted to do it. I wanted to try them all. And guys, hopefully, Cause, yeah, you he, tried some. He had a good one. There might have been a better. Hopefully, one. you tried some good stuff this year too. Let us know if there's anything we missed or slept on, uh, much like we did Tom Taylor, because. Damn, we we messed up. But email's over at bagboardcast at gmail.com or hit us up on any of our social media pages. We're on the Instagram, we're on the Facebooks, we're on the Twitters. Uh, let us know how your year was and if there was anything that you loved that we should probably check out. Because, you know, we're always on the prowl. 